Welcome back to the Randin Podcast with Rafi and Chandra. So, yay, we've got audience cheer too. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that we had a live audience. This is impressive. Oh, we do, we do. And today we actually have a guest interview with, and I'm going to totally butcher your surname, and I intentionally didn't ask, Eric Suleger. Is that roughly Z- uh, Zuleger? Yeah, that's that's Zuleger? Uh, that was a heroic attempt, um, and ah! you know, Welcome. well done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody. Just so you all know, it's it's Zuleger. Uh, Zuleger. Like, so there's an entire video on YouTube. I'm not sure if you know this on how to pronounce it, and it suggested Zuleger. <laughs> You've got to be what you what, can like, look it up. I will link it in the bio. It is there. I looked do. it up before because <laughs> there aren't but, yeah. many people with my last name. So like one of these zooleggers out here must have been just fed up yeah. and was like, "I've got to take to YouTube. I've got to. I've got to yep. inform the people." <laughs> well, you did a great job. That is mm. that is literally <laughs> the only thing the video has is multiple times it just says zooleggers. And I was like, Honestly, right, must be it. <laughs> this is this is a this is a Zuleger psyop. I don't trust this. You're <laughs> you've downloaded some malicious code from that video. Maybe that's guy. That well, was that guy's way of just messing with all the other Zuleggers. <laughs> and you know what? Which is like the the most Zuleger thing to do. So so I, I think I like uh, I'm narrowing it down. I think I know which Zuleger <laughs> did this, and I will find them. So. So just for context, Eric uh, was recommended by one of our previous guests, uh, Alex Ellis. Uh, I Shut think up. you're related to his wife. Is that I correct? am. And, and yeah. by marriage now related to him. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, his, his wife is my, uh, is my cousin. And ah. um, yeah. And, and I actually did their, uh, I did their um, uh, marriage ceremony. Uh, like I was there. Oh, officiant. wow. Okay. Yeah. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. So. For context for the rest of the listeners, this is like 10 minutes ago, we've just started chatting to Eric for the very first time. So given that, I just thought I would read out a bio I found of Eric just to give you a flavor <laughs> of what this conversation is going to be like. Okay, so Eric Zuleger's fascination with travel, history, and politics began as a Peace Corps volunteer in Albania, which where he is right now. After service, he completed his first circle of the globe. Returning to the U.S., he worked as a barista, yoga instructor, an intelligence analyst, journalist, and tech storyteller. Eric spent his years of statelessness while completing spent his year of statelessness while completing his master's in creative writing at Oxford University. He's lived, worked, and traveled through 47 countries and climbed two of the seven summits. Wow, what a bio! That, 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 that's another. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was lovely to meet you guys. Uh, Smash like and subscribe and, uh, you know, use (laughs) use code Eric Zuleger for 20 percent off on (laughs) BetterHelp.com. Glad I could help. Great. Great episode. Fans, right into it. Mm. So the thing is, we forget to plug our own show. So thank you for putting that. Smash like and subscribe, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So that is. Quite a bio and quite a CV already. And I just thought for context, uh, we should just go through your background and every like life up till this point in a rapid fire way, just to catch everyone up, if that's okay with you. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, I rarely go back to the very beginning, uh, cause very it, beginning born and raised. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there was, there was a sea creature and it, it wanted, <laughs> it started to get legs and hair and then it's a, a process called evolution was happening, uh, because of amino acids. Um, uh, no, I, so I, I grew up in Southern California, um, Ah, nice. The, the beach, beach cities in Southern California in, in Los Angeles and, um, you know, did, uh, I was a sort of indoorsy arts kid, um, was, was on dance team all throughout high school. Um, uh, and oh, we were so gonna go even back, it's like in early school, were you the nerd, were you the rebel, were you the artsy kid? So obviously the artsy kid. Artsy kid, uh, yeah, art, art, yeah, artsy nerd, um, definite, definite oh. indoor cat. Um, I, I think you're definitely in the, uh, the random podcast as a home target home. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could hear uh, your thousands of listeners just like adjusting their glasses right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, uh, I think. Well, I've only got meow. I don't have someone going yay. As, as a <laughs> Somebody's like, uh, oh, I bet he likes books too. <laughs> uh, you've written a book. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, I've just started reading it, actually. Uh, ah, cool. So far, nice. Yeah, I'm about a third of the, well, probably not quite a third of the way in, but we'll get to that. Uh, so one of my little quick rapid fire questions was going to be, would you say there was anything unusual about your family or growing up? This is your sort of primary school years, if you like. Yeah. Um, I mean, so my mom's an author, um, which, which, you know, is, was oh, totally awesome. normal to grow up with, but then, then you realize that not, not everybody has a, has a, a, a mom who's an author. Um, <laughs> so, so writing was definitely a part of my, uh, my life from a very early age. And I was always, always writing somehow. Um, and, uh, and my dad's a judge, uh, so my mom writes, wow, uh, mystery books. Yeah, I know. And it, it worked out for them too. Cause like she started writing mystery novels and, and so it's just like, uh, you know, I, I remember going to my mom's office at one point and just, uh, I couldn't have been more than like 12. And it's like all these crime scene photos everywhere. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this is research and just books about guns and stuff. Um, so, so, so it's, it's good that it turned out this way for me. Uh, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not locked up. Um, <laughs> I had I had two choices, man: become a become an author or or the streets. Well, it's, or, or, are you going like, to be in? Are you going to write the book or be in the book? Is the question. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Or, or be judged I, by your dad. <laughs> I I ask myself this every single day. Um. Ah. So yeah, and I I pursued I pursued arts. Uh, you know, from from there, I I was in uh, I was in theater. I was in, I was performing a lot. So. I did um, uh, quite a quite a bit of like uh, acting in high school, and then went and studied that in in university, uh, where I started writing more seriously. So I was a, okay. a playwright in university and wrote I think like seven seven plays during during that period of time, wow. which, which got some staging. Um, they're all I'm sure they're all like you know uh, flaming dumpster fires now that are 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 deeply offensive to the the morals of um of 2024 uh but but i was 19 and i had encapsulated history that's exactly right that's exactly right um don't worry i'm sure chat gpt has learned from it mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like i got some stuff to say in the form of theater that's gonna change the world so on that note any 
Oh, okay. I was going to say, any pivotal moments from those sort of teenage or early university college years? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think one of the, the bigger ones was um, uh, I, I started self-producing. Like, I, I wanted to produce some work pretty rapidly um, just because, you know, it was uh, – I think it was – I can't remember which election cycle it was – um, you know, it was, it was an election cycle. I think there was, um, uh, obviously, uh, shockingly, there was unrest in the Middle East at the at that time. Uh, back in the day, this is a long time ago. Um, <laughs> Not this version. A few yeah. cycles ago, you know, different, uh, totally different times. Um, the stuff that's on daytime television on a rerun at the moment, you know. Exactly. Yeah, people <laughs> don't remember this, but the Middle East uh, used to be kind of geopolitically spicy. Um. <laughs> And so I, you know, was wanting to sort of interact uh, uh, politically and, and, you know, use, use whatever uh, skills that I had to, to sort of uh, comment on, on what I felt was important at the time. And I was like, well, you know, we could probably just like self-produce something like nobody's going to stop us. And, and then me and me and my buddy, who was an, an actor in the show, were like, yeah, we could, we could do that. And then. And then we just sort of kept coming up with like a worse idea of how to do that. So it wasn't just like, oh, we'll invent the faculty and we're going to do. And then it was just like, no, we're going to break into the theater building at midnight on Halloween. And then we're going <laughs> to sneak in an audience of 80 people to blow their minds with salacious material from the stage. Um, this sounds awesome. I would have come. <laughs> it was great. It was, and it was like invite fun. only. So like, <laughs> oh, I probably wouldn't have gotten invited. But oh well, I Dude, wouldn't don't worry. invited. <laughs> it's your, it's your, uh, it's all your, your yeah, indoor, indoor cat theater kid uh, uh, audience members too. <laughs> we didn't invite any jocks, man. Um, so like, and how we, did it go? It was, it was spectacular. Like it was, uh, and it, it felt very like, um, like it was, it was one of these, these first moments of just realizing that if you produce it yourself if you do it yourself if you just like take the step without asking anybody's permission then you, you know you get an enormous response for it and and you also open up a lot of new pathways because i think mo more often than not people are like well you know i can't couldn't possibly do this thing or you know they they let their their goals become just sort of extended daydreams that they have uh, because mm. they don't think they'll actually ever do those things. But like, you know, if you, if you do one neat thing, suddenly you want to do a lot more other, like, you know, you wonder what else you're kind of capable of. So, yeah. On that note, did that actually lead to anything that, uh, like doors opening and like, what were they for you? Yeah. Well, so it was it, that style of, I guess that production kind of led, um, directly to the the type of stuff that I, I work on now um, in a really random int way. <laughs> Randint, everybody. <laughs> smash like and subscribe. Wow, we were going to just... Your, yeah. your, your segues and, uh, in, in, yeah, sliding in the, the promos. I love yeah. it. Use, use we got to take notes on how to do this. <laughs> use code self-promotion at checkout for 20% off. Stamps.com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how many sponsors do you have? Like, uh, I oh, I thought these were sponsors. given given that you guys were a podcast. I assume these were your sponsors already. Well, you know, uh, we're aspirational. Hey, any of you so guys we'll plug it now. 
Yeah, who do you want to be sponsored by? All I really know is that you're going to get 20% at checkout. Yeah, guaranteed. VB beer. (laughs) That's an Australian thing. Vegemite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Triple X. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel very bad as a Muslim now promoting alcohol. Uh, Ah, shit. Damn it. (laughs) But it's okay. That's from Chandra's side. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that's that's my promotion. (laughs) Enter. Enter. That's haram for me, but not for you for 20% of Jekka. That gets you even 30%. We have never Um, had this many sponsors on this podcast before. This is awesome. It's crazy. Any of these companies, feel free to reach out. We're okay with taking your sponsorship money. You know, Randit is great, but it's I think it's like 90% sponsorship at this point. <laughs> um, um, well, wait, there's another this way to new do season a podcast. Has to... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, th- that that production was one. It was I, I was realizing uh, slowly that um, maybe maybe theater wasn't exactly the thing that I, I was wanting to be working on all of the time. Because I mean, I love it as a form. It's it's I, I still love going and seeing plays, and and I you know the, uh, theater in general is is pretty magical still. Um, but it's it as a as a, a you know an art form. It's it's fairly slow to produce, and you know in terms of limiting the amount of of people that that can throw obstacles in your way it's like it's got a lot you know you need to attach a director and you need to uh workshop a play and then you know by the time it it hits the stage it's a couple years old at at bare minimum um so i was sort of obsessed with this idea of like well how can i make stories a little bit more useful to uh people around me and to to and relevant for things that i was doing um and so I, uh, after after uh, theater school, I went to the uh, the Peace Corps, the American Peace Corps, which I, I, for some of your listeners may know what it is. Many don't know what the Peace Corps I is. Um, Can you explain? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> first rule of just, Peace Corps, you don't yeah. talk about Peace Corps. <laughs> That's first rule. Yeah. You, you just have to guess, listeners. Um, doves. Uh, yeah. Doves are involved. So, yeah, it's a, it's just a lot of releasing doves into the world and giving awesome. hugs. Um, so it's it was started in the 1960s by uh, by uh, John F. Kennedy, and it's uh, it's kind of kind of like the opposite of the American Armed Forces, which is probably why most people haven't heard about about the organization. Um, so you basically volunteer to go to any one of over 120 different countries I think they operated. Um, and you just say, Hey, I'm willing to go work in an emerging economy or a developing country, uh, under hardship conditions for two and a half years. Uh, you know, uh, and at least during my time, it was like, you didn't actually get to choose where you went. So they just you know, uh, uh, strapped you to a rocket and, and, and shot you out of, uh, out of a cannon and, and you ended up in some village and, and they're like, don't wow, start any not wars. even a plane ticket. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really the, they still use the military hardware. That's why we have the rocket system. It's very unnerving for the people on the ground. Is that, is that a bombing or is that new visitors? Hard to know. <laughs> new Peace Corps volunteer. <laughs> What's up? Just climbing out of a steaming crater. <laughs> We're here to I'm help. Here Don't to worry. Tra- Trust me. 
<laughs> Can I just ask, like, going back a step? So you yeah. had what sounds like an amazing experience producing that play and releasing it, right? Yeah. What? How did you go from play to Peace Corps? Like, well, what was the yeah. jump there? <laughs> well, I think um, I think that the um, uh, a couple of things were true at the same time. Like, one, you you leave you leave theater school after four years of working very hard to be really good at at, at like Shakespeare, and then you're like, oh no, nobody needs these skills. Um, I, I need different skills because very few people are like, quick, I need two contrasting monologues, um, to save this man's life. Um, (laughs) I, I, I just didn't, didn't quite see that. And then I, you know, my, my university, I think anybody who goes to, uh, to university for the arts, like if you talk to musicians or, or, or dancers about this, it's like your time is so laser focused on, on being a nerd about that particular discipline. Um, so you don't get to take much of a step outside of it. And I, I heard about people like doing study abroad programs and things like that. And, and I wanted to travel and, and, you know, learn another language and, uh, and then, you know, also develop some new skills. Uh, and it seemed like the, um, the, the Peace Corps was kind of like the, the quickest way to do all of those things pretty rapidly. Uh, and I also just thought it was kind of badass that you just, you know, you have no idea where you're going to go and they throw a dart at a map and, and then you just end up in some country in some village for two and a half years. I just thought that was really cool. So Was there like a friend or something that sort of prompted it as something to look into? Um, a, a friend of my dad's had done it back in the 1960s. Um, Actually, strange. So, so he he did his Peace Corps service uh, in Afghanistan. So he really really bungled that one because um, it's not fixed yet. Please. Yeah, I mean, have you have you heard about any wars coming out of Albania? That's because of this guy. That's because of me right now. You're oh, all man, welcome your for dad's my service. Friend. Yeah, your I know. That's friend has a lot to answer for. He's like, I forgot my doves. That's the problem. Didn't I release yeah. enough? <laughs> like your hug count is way down. Um, it was a peaceful rocket that I came in. <laughs> that was like the beginning of it. Yeah. So, but I, I thought the whole thing sounded like, I mean, you know, hearing his, uh, hearing his, his, you know, peace stories, I, I thought that the, the whole thing sounded really cool. And he ended up um, uh, working for the United Nations. And I was like, Oh, that, that sounds, sounds neat. Um uh, so yeah, I mean, I got, uh, I, I got sent to Albania and, um, uh, did my initial language training in a small town called Labraged. um, shout out to Labraged. um, and, uh, they were uh, like 10 for 10% off tourist codes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> type in Labraged for 20% <laughs> off your subscription to, uh, the post office. What's that? Home. Those meal preps are <laughs> the post office. Oh, oh. Hello Fresh. Hello Fresh. Hello Fresh. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> for for halal oh. food options for everybody. Um, oh, okay. So and you, then you, you... they were like, "There, I did, I did decently with the language, and and um, so they sent me, uh, they sent me up north uh, to uh, a town uh, which is." in an area which is famous only because it's where the bad guys in Taken come from. 
So, like, that's awesome. If you've seen Taken, there's like a guy that is called Marco from Trapoya, who's like, you know, the. the, uh, the oh, Trapoya, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I lived in Trapoya. And okay. it is. Little, little bookmark just here. So, right uh-huh. now, Liam Neeson is filming a movie in a small country town called, uh, I think it's Glen Rowan, like an hour away out of Melbourne, where the entire town, it's like four streets, has been painted to look like Nepal. So the rotunda where everyone goes drinking is now a stupa with like a Buddha on it uh, and so on and so forth. Everything has gone from Australian beige to green and multicolors with the flags everywhere. So uh, that's yeah, so wild thing that's happening right now in Victoria. And it's, it's Liam Neeson connected too. We, yeah, 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 yeah. Liam Neeson's here. We, we share this, we share this Liam Neeson connection through, through uh, Taken. And that's how we got you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Shout out yeah, to yeah, Liam. Up Liam. Uh, hey, who should we talk to? He's like, talk to Eric. Yeah. He was in he's, he's, he's the guy. <laughs> well, and and the, that that particular show was like they, I mean, you know, they they did they did their research because it it is known as as being a bit of an organized crime uh, area in in uh, Albania, um, and it, it's it's a traditional area, um, so it, it's got a lot of uh, the sort of eccentricities that that exist in village village Albania. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's still, because it's so traditional, it still operates on, um, well, partially on the canoe. Uh, I mean, depends on how you define it. Um, it's, uh, there, <laughs> okay. there depends are... which rules you define the crime under. <laughs> yeah. So like there are, depends there are sort the scheduling of... and organizing. I mean, isn't that all <laughs> crime really is? <laughs> <laughs> Every mafia boss just type, like has slack now <laughs> it's like oh Chandra, there you go new tool for your startup <laughs> yeah <laughs> is your crime disorganized would you like to organize it better are slack. you ready to move up on the rings <laughs> not just and slack, for all our crack, listeners 20 percent promo code <laughs> there you go yeah so- <laughs> like I'm sure you have a lot of organized crime listeners too, so that that's probably helpful for for them. That, that's our second. It is really the audience we're trying to foster. Yeah, I mean, they're they're like, God, we just need a project manager who knows about how to move bricks of cocaine. Does anybody know a great uh, project manager? We, we've gone from random to organized crime, like PG to R18 in one episode. This is awesome. Is, is this a waterfall or agile methodology for stepping on this heroin? So, can I just, why did the Peace Corps send you to get taken, so to speak? I thought you were going to say, accept me. <laughs> literally, literally, my application just says I studied theater. Um,. Uh, so, because the, uh, the, and, and I should say, you know, the, the area is, is, uh, it's known for that. It was, it, it certainly had a violent past. Um, and Albania in general, even though there, there are, uh, criminal elements of, of like the mafia, uh, that, that exist in, around, um, that's, that's mostly throughout like Western Europe. The, the country itself is, is probably one of the safest countries that you can, you can exist in. Um, and that area, um, uh, so, so Trapoya, Byram, Surrey, which was the name of my town. Eric, uh, I got there? sent up. Was that? Oh, hello. 
Oh, sorry, it just dropped out for a second for me. But yeah, anyway, welcome back. Hey, um, so yeah, the na- uh, so my town, Byram, Surrey, uh, they sent me up there because they were opening a new site. Uh, so they were like opening it as um, like a new area for Peace Corps volunteers to be working in. Uh, and I did decently with the language in my like first um, first three months. And the way that... Was that like a full immersion kind of thing? Or yeah. Did you it's have like... a lot of English? <laughs> uh, yeah, my English was pretty good by the time I got there. Uh, but the Albanian <laughs> was... Yeah. The Albanian was really difficult because uh, I didn't speak any of that. Um, Doesn't make but, it tricky. But uh, they, 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 like, make you... I mean, they don't... You know, there's no guns to your head. But, like, you, you, you've got, like, um, uh, five five hours a day or so of, of intensive language training and you're living with an Albanian family and, and yeah, you're just trying to, trying to make it happen. Um, but they speak a different dialect up in, uh, up in Tripoya. Uh, that's quite, and so they're like, Oh, like you learned this one. Okay. So go up and learn that one again. And, and it's like, it, even oftentimes Albanians can't quite understand each other from the various areas. Um, so that's why they sent me and, uh, and a couple of my colleagues. So we had one person working in health and one person working in like sort of community development. And I was an English teacher. So I, I went and, you know, uh, uh, taught, taught Albanians, uh, Albanian teenagers in in like, uh, a high school setting for, uh, for a year. And then I worked on developing like a mobile library, uh, for like the the far flung villages, yeah. Were you teaching them English That's or true. the other Albanian dialect? <laughs> God. That would be somewhat amusing. <laughs> guys, you don't speak so Albanian well enough. Came in to... <laughs> Man, Americans are condescending. <laughs> he left a crater in my field immediately. Got out and started criticizing my Albanian in English and demanding an apartment to stay in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why we don't send Chandra on these trips. Yeah. <laughs> I speak the English, so you, international you, language of just talk a bit louder and in yes. English. <laughs> As an American, we are, I, I, I already do that. And I actually, you know, given that, that I've been living abroad for so long, like I, I can now hear why people say Americans talk so loudly because we do <laughs> and because I can hear them from from miles away now and I'm like no have I been doing this the whole time and then my Albanian <laughs> friend is like stop yelling Eric <laughs> you're still doing it <laughs> <laughs> so so how was your experience like uh, this is two and a half years did you say that you're in Albania the first time around mm-hmm yeah. yeah, it was it was very difficult, um, but but you know uh, achievable because <laughs> um, right. y- you know it's it is it is a very Did you very get small kidnapped. Uh, not no, not that this time. No, uh, um, we're going for the movie edition. This is going to be a Netflix uh, show for sure at some point. <laughs> The, the the kidnapping attempts started later in life uh, uh oh, but okay. uh, so, but yeah we 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 ended up getting there so don't worry um oh uh no it, it was it was very cool like it, it was super super difficult um because the the area is, is um you know it's it's really uh impoverished and um you know my the high school that I was teaching at 
no electricity. Oftentimes, most of the windows were, were broken out. Um, we had like a wood burning stove in each of the rooms. And obviously, I'm like going in as a f- weird foreigner uh, to a room full of like uh, very tall and strong Albanian teenagers uh, and being like, hey, guys, I'm the cool teacher who barely speaks your language. <laughs> I like turn, you know, turn the chair around and sit on it backwards so they know that I'm I'm cool like them. I'm like you. <laughs> Just carry a skateboard around the whole time, even though none of them have ever touched a skateboard. Like, What's that? <laughs> backwards hat. Yeah. Um, oh. yeah and, and so that yeah i mean you know it was like eight hours a day of 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 being brutalized by my students um and uh and then and trying to you know teach them about about uh present tense uh or you know whatever whatever english thing that we were working on um had you been a teacher before this or was this like no i'm just cheating Okay, yeah, so it was my... there was like no teaching sort of experience. You're like, here, you kind of picked up another language, go somewhere else and teach English in a different dialect of this new language. Yeah, that, that's a pretty hard gig. One of one of the things that I, I've I've noticed uh, throughout my entire career, uh, uh, there's let's put some some you know uh, air quotes around that, is that you can just do stuff and very few people ask questions like. It's like, can you be a high school teacher? Sure. Uh, there's your classroom. Okay, point like, number one. Yeah. All right. There you go. Let's do this. Well, it's like the rule of the clipboard. You can pretty much walk in anywhere you want with a high-vis vest and a clipboard. And a clipboard. <laughs> I actually, I was, I was, uh, I was going into a, a, a new work environment recently, and uh, and I, ne- I wanted to get some respect around here, so I, I bought a clipboard specifically before <laughs> I went to that thing for exactly this purpose. No. Because is it still a clipboard or is it an iPad now? Who knows? Uh, see, I actually think that like clipboard gives you mm. a lot more respect than than I would respect a person with a clipboard more than an iPad personally. Well, you can make you can't play dedicated as well. to the cause. Yeah, you can't play Angry Birds on a clipboard. Like you're there to work. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, any specific highlights from your that time in Albania? Oh man. Um if you had yeah, to I mean, just one. Well, this this kind of related to uh, to that that uh, theater production that we did. Um, so mm-hmm. during that time, I, like I, I was I was really interested in like uh, one how how can I kind of like use stories to to actually sort of make some real world world impact um, and like because surely there must be a way to do that. Uh, these are. Uh, interesting like uh, like uh, i'm i was experiencing some really really fascinating stuff and i also knew that there were there were issues on the ground to solve so um i started writing uh plays that were almost like journalism we called it a live theater blog and so this was back in 2011 when we started doing this and so we were we were using one of the very first streaming platforms um and so i would write basically a blog that was supposed to be performed live back at a theater that i i worked with in in hollywood and my my buddy acted in it and he uh and my other friend directed it 
And then we, you know, we sold tickets to it. And then the money from that ended up coming back overseas to Albania, where I was able to help start a mobile library um, that served oh, the, right. the nice. villages. Yeah. So it was like, oh, you know, like a all... proper social enterprise, like transnational. Yeah. Wow. That, that's through, really cool. Through theater. Yeah. So yeah. we did, I think. Well, 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 we, we need definitely, we definitely need a cheer for that. That's right. <laughs> Woo. So basically you had the origin, original Patreon supporting you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except it was just like, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of people who are being dragged to the theater to listen to stories about rural Albania. Um, I, I can only imagine like, what those conversations. Huh? It would be interesting, right? Like, as you know, I haven't been to rural Albania, but you know, when you when you sell it the right way, going set in the village where Taken was first filmed. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm no, in. It was, I'll come. It was cool because we did it. We did it like semi monthly too. So there was it like because of the the like velocity of how much we had to produce. It was like I was always I was always on the lookout for for like whatever that story was. And sometimes it was my experience. Sometimes it was history. Sometimes it was somebody else's story. Um, but but I, I realized that, like, you know, by kind of one, not everybody knows every story. And and, uh, it, it, you know, just by by sitting in the right place and asking the right question, you kind of get access to this world that uh, that you didn't really even know was there, uh, which was a really powerful experience. And then on top of that, like, yeah, we, we turned, we turned some, some monologues into, into some books for a mobile library. And uh, like my final year was just kind of puttering around in this van full of, full of books uh, to, to give to kids in rural villages. Uh, so that was super cool. Um, and then that kind of turned me into a journalist, which I was like, you know, after a while, I was just like, well, I I want to do more stuff like this. I want to do like I want to travel uh, and I want to, uh, you know, find stories that maybe people aren't necessarily the most comfortable going and getting or or uh, the most comfortable sort of trying to learn about the background of um, because I know how when I think about um, how I started approaching history or I started approaching culture or writing about any of these really difficult topics. I was like, there are so many dumb questions that I want to ask, but I feel very, un like, like I, I feel very uncomfortable asking them. So I'm like, that must be the same case with a lot of other people. Um, and like, the ticket to understanding is just like asking a bunch of dumb questions. <laughs> well, I, I think like you basically are foreshadowing the rise of like, you know, the Eli five, like explaining like I'm five thing, like on Reddit, right? Like yeah, there yeah. are people who just want to know, they just kind of put it out there that it's like, just pretend I'm dumb because, you know, I mean, every time I've asked that question, explain it like I have had zero idea. So it right. sounds like this was just like your, the way to get permission to do that in a way for a random topic. Is that, would that be fair yeah. to say? Yeah, I mean, like I, I was, uh, I, I was so glad that that it just so happened that the thing that I liked to do uh, personally uh, and and now professionally uh, is is you know show up to places that I don't know much about and start asking some questions and and uh, and building relationships with people like in those areas, which is so like. Just that a yeah. little hard, hard, hard right here. So if the bio is correct, then you return to the US and work as a barista and yoga instructor 
and then intelligence analyst. Okay, intelligence analyst, yeah. <laughs> you can kind of make that. But what about the first two? What happened? Oh, man. Well, so, you know, yet again, I was sort of, uh, I, I got back to from some experience. So, you know, previously it was theater school, now, you know, Peace Corps. Uh, and then I realized I still don't have many uh, uh, useful skills. Um, so I was like, I mean, I can speak oh, conversational so Albanian. <laughs> I can start mobile libraries. You can, you can also yeah. tra 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 yeah. transnational play service. Yeah. I, mean, I, and I don't know. There's got to be a lot in there that you can actually use. Like nobody was buying what I was selling, basically. So... <laughs> um, I I, I got home. It sounds like you were somebody who was based in Albania, great at getting money across borders, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so no, we don't need to ask any other questions about that. So, anyway, I moving think you on. You just needed a new logo. You just need a Being new logo. That's a cool. barista. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just kind of like the the first job that I got when I when I came back. I was I was a local journalist before, and I was trying to find. Um, find writing gigs and it just wasn't really working out and um so i i was you know making coffee and i was um i actually ended up working um i, I don't think this made the made it in the the bio but i ended up working for a couple of years uh as a as a behavioral therapist for for kids with autism because there was a sort of pay to train program in the area so there, it was like you know, we'll, we'll train you to, to, you know, uh, help, you know, work with kids with autism. So I did that for about like what two, of, two and a half years. What gave me the, you know, is there something that prompted that one as well? Or was that from the no, teaching perspective or? Yeah. Teaching too. Yeah. The needed a job, uh, that sounded, you know, if nothing else, it sounded useful and it sounded like a good, um, uh, personal experience, which it was, but after a couple of years of doing that work, I was like, you know, I, unless I'm gonna advance to higher levels and get advanced degrees in this, in this, uh, field, then I'm, you know, I've kind of like tapped out like great experience, but I, I kind of need to go back to doing what I was doing. And I was like, I was writing, but I was writing, um, uh, I wrote a couple of, uh, fiction books. Um, so my first two books were written during, during that time. This is the um, immortal LA and yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's when I was just like, I could be fucking edgy like Neil Gaiman. <laughs> <laughs> and I still uh, think that. I, well, I mean, I've only read the blurbs of that because I was like, oh, the, the one, like, I was like, okay, I got to choose a book. Uh, yeah. which one do I go for? <laughs> and I, I went for, uh. Your, your latest one, unless there's been another one since then. No, no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, just, uh, so just that one. Called, yeah, uh, but because this is going to lead us down another rabbit hole, I just wanted to ask intelligence analysts, like your book, uh, You Are Not Here, begins with uh, with some fairly graphic, edgy places. Uh, yeah, which are super relevant right now. I, I'm like, oh, oh those rascals I was going to say, it, yeah. it just seems like the book, like I'm reading your book, which, I mean... Like, you know, the, the basic question, if you, which you start off in the first chapter is like asking the question, what is a country? And I no. think, especially with everything going on in the Middle East, I was like, this just feels so relevant and off the time, even though it was re written before, uh, because like, it's, it's, it's a perspective of someone who's been literally in that area, asking the question that is currently driving half these, uh, half these conflicts. Um, yeah. But. No, it's yeah. it, it's it's weird. It's weird to see a lot of these countries in in the news now. Um, uh, 
because, you know, previously, I think a lot of, I mean, some of the areas a lot of people hadn't heard about. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in, in the, in the book, and I'll, I'll give like a little um, uh, background of the book. So like, the, the book was, um, I decided to spend a year living in only countries that are, are unrecognized as countries in the world. Uh, so that took me from being an English teacher in Iraqi Kurdistan during the referendum on independence to being in Kosovo for their 10-year uh, anniversary of independence. Um, I would have stayed in Kurdistan the whole time, but I got kicked out of Turkey and, and subsequently banned from Turkey. So I, I couldn't travel back to northern Iraq uh, because because <laughs> Baghdad had shut down the airspace at the time. So I was like, well, there goes my shirts in in northern Iraq. And I guess I'll I'll just have to figure it out. I'm up elsewhere. to that part in the book at the moment oh, yeah. where you're on the road. <laughs> and I was like, wow, yeah, that's uh yeah, I loved your the, little pointers of how to figure out if things are safe. Call random people, ask your uh, tea, tea guy if it's safe, uh -huh. or, and then just do it anyway. Basically, yeah, yeah. That's the <laughs> as far as as far as like uh, operational security in the Middle East. It's like you you have to talk to at least three people from different backgrounds, and then and then just ask your grocer because your grocer is actually <laughs> the person who knows everything. <laughs> Shout out to Hassan. <laughs> <laughs> Hassan, uh, yay, go Hassan. Yay, he knows Hassan. where he is. <laughs> um so, but how did you <laughs> he did, how, yeah. How did you actually become an intelligence analyst analyst from Barista? Okay, uh, so this is super random. Yoga instructor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is super I'm super it was the random. Yoga link. No. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh that would have been way cool. <laughs> that sounds like a way sexier way to become an intelligence <laughs> analyst. <laughs> Mm. And so I should say that that uh, so I was working for um for a uh, a geopolitical forecasting company. This wasn't actually for uh the uh the armed forces. What is geos ge ge geopolitical uh, forecasting? What, yeah, what is that? It's like yeah, the weather so predict where countries are going to be physically. <laughs> 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 where it's like Micronesia is going to be way over here for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, Micronesia is going to get big. It's going to be mega Asia soon. <laughs> you also draw on maps with a sharpie and just go like it's over there. <laughs> I, I, you know, when I when I first started the, so I'll, I'll answer what the like what those companies are. So uh, there are there are a lot of different companies that um, that are basically like looking at geopolitics, and I think there's a there's a couple that I I can think of off the top of my head. Um, uh, and like, uh, Stratfor is one of them, uh, Rain, R-A-N-E. Um, so they have the, their, their con uh, companies that are, are doing geopolitical analysis. Um, and they usually have a publishing wing along with it. So they're publishing, um, some of their, their findings about, about what specifically is going to go on or perhaps might happen in a particular area. Um, and they're also sometimes doing work for private industry. So, like, let's say you want to start, I don't know, a um, uh, oil refinery in Turkmenistan. I don't. You probably couldn't, but because you know, um, Turkmenbashi Gurbanguly seems like a good idea. <laughs> you got to get it on you the just... Turkmen uh, natural gas. That's where it's really at. Um, Just tell Andy Forrest here. I'm sure he'll figure out a way to get a refinery over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I know a guy. 
Um, I know a Turkmen <laughs> guy. Um, but you know, the, you'll you'll basically like hire a, a, a super nerd about that country, an intelligence analyst, to like look at the open source intelligence that's coming out of that area. So it's nothing that that's um, uh, that's like um, uh, classified or anything like that. Usually, it's just like on the ground information that you're taking from from various sources and saying, "Here's my assessment of what the uh, you know the safety of the area." Uh, is there going to be any sort of political unrest? Is there going to be um, economic problems that that might affect your business? That kind of thing. But mostly, I was publishing, um, you know, assessments of uh, things that were going on in the Middle East, um, and and specifically the Levantine area. So I was I, I wrote a couple pieces about um, uh, the Islamic State at the time and uh, the the Kurdish. Uh, independence movement in northern iraq so I was, I was pretty well primed for this but um but yeah the the way that i i ended up uh getting this job and again you know it's uh, uh it, it sounds it sounds very like shadowy and stuff but it it was you know mostly like uh advanced newsreader journalist job um but um my uh so i was <laughs> i was working as a summer camp counselor uh in boston I, I, we're gonna get there, I promise. <laughs> I just love the jumps, like man, like uh -huh. you, you know, in terms of career variety, we're like both kind of went to uni, went to medical school, became doctors, uh, and you're like, like I jump, went from jump, 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 jump. This puts this this puts Super Mario to shame. You realize, right? Like you know, you're just like, well, Chandra, the, uh, there's a, there's a reason you have a boat and I don't. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was, while you were in medical school, I was a summer camp counselor. And I was like, don't run. You're the one in, you're the one in Albania, not me. That's, that's right. Yeah, come on over anytime. Um, so I, this was sort of my transition period between like, I, I wasn't, I didn't really want to work in early childhood education anymore. I wanted to be abroad again, and I wanted to be uh, to be writing nonfiction stuff um, uh, that was that was useful and and interesting. And I started to become more middle, uh, more interested in the Middle East, um, reading a lot more about about geopolitics and history at that time. Uh, and I was freelancing a couple of articles here and there. Uh, so I wanted to to start writing about conflict in the area. And from what I understood of different people who were doing exactly that, like you, you kind of just have to go and figure it out. And I was like, okay, sweet. I've never had a problem buying a random plane ticket before. So um, uh, I, I had, um, I had a, uh, a plane ticket uh, to, uh, to Turkey. And then I, I sort of had a trip planned out. I was going to go down to a place called Gaziantep, which is on the Syrian border. And I, I didn't really want to cover day-to-day uh, -day conflict. I was more interested in sort of doing what I did in Albania, which is just like, you know, what are what are the other everyday lives on that are, are just parallel to conflict that are going uh, that's going on. Um, and I, I thought that was a, a pretty neat thing to, to put together. And maybe it was going to be a book. Maybe it was just going to be journalism. Don't know. Uh, and then the coup happened, the Turkish, the Turkish coup. Um, and, uh, you know, I was there, um, you know, getting, getting the, the, like, um, 
headphones ready for uh for all of my camp counselors to come in and like you know uh making sure that the slide was put out and and the the inflatables were inflated and i had like you know one one earphone in and i was listening to like the news from the turkish coup and i was like oh my god and i was like tie your shoes and don't run and then i was back to listening to about the turkish coup and i'm like ah oh i don't know I don't know if I uh, I have a ticket to Istanbul and maybe this is the this is the right time to go. It's the wrong time to go. Um, and meanwhile, my my dad had had started like basically become pen pals with this this geopolitical forecaster guy, and um, he was like, "Oh, well, you should see what he thinks." Um, I I talked to him about you going to Turkey now, and he thinks it's a terrible idea. And I was like, "Oh, well, I'll email him." And so <laughs> I, I I emailed this guy and. And I was like, uh, hey, I, I hear you think this is a terrible idea. Um, so if it is a terrible idea, like, what should I do instead? Like, what if I want to write about this area and learn about this area? And uh, so he wrote me back, like, the longest email ever. And it was basically about how I was going to get kidnapped and killed in Turkey. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's three pages of... Okay, if you refer back to my first email... <laughs> You'll see that I said, I understand you think it's a bad idea, but what should I do if I want to write about Did Syria? Did you tell and then them he... that you've been to Tepoya already? It's like, I know the guy who's going to do the kidnapping. I had yeah. to have coffee with them. It's my, my buddy, Arben. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, was the, what was the reply? The reply was like, oh, I've gone back and looked at your, your previous email. And I was like, that's right. Um, uh, and, and he was like, okay, well... Uh, I tell you what, why don't you go to Beirut and I'll coach you? And I was like, okay, great. I don't know what that means. I've never met you. <laughs> um, but an old man on the internet told me that I should go to Beirut. So I guess I'm buying a plane ticket. <laughs> and I did. Well, I mean, why not? What could go <laughs> <Yeah>. wrong? <laughs> and I, so I, I, you know, cause all my, my plans were sort of canceled in, in, um, uh, in Turkey. So I had like a, a month, uh, and I was sort of getting ready to go to, um, to start, start school in, in, uh, the UK, which is part-time. So I was always working, researching somewhere, but I had to go back to the UK briefly. Um, so I had like a month in Beirut to be, you know, air quotes coached. Uh, again, all of this sounds a, a, a lot shadier than it is. Uh, like, let's let's you know uh, 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 assume ignorance more than malice here, um, <laughs> because <laughs> basically, I was like, okay, I'm here, emailing, and he's like, okay, great, meet meet this person, and I was like, great, sounds good. An old man on the internet told me to meet a person, so I guess I'm just gonna go get in this car. <laughs> Do they have Did air conditioning? For, uh... That's the main question. <laughs> so it, it had air conditioning, but there were no <laughs> internal handles on the door. Mm. And like Well, and... you win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. I got I got in and I was like, oh actually it wasn't immediate. It was like five minutes of driving and like we're going to the outside of Beirut at this point. And I'm like, oh, I don't recognize any of these streets because we're not in Beirut anymore. <laughs> and then I was like, there's no handles on the inside of this car, and then I was like this might have been an error. Uh, I just <laughs> it, it, I was like emailing me about. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this was the right car. <laughs> this is called learn from experience. I mean, it, it, like it may be. It, 
it could have been the kind of thing where like this dude was just like, oh man, I got to kidnap something. Just leave your car open. And then an American will just wander in. <laughs> um, it was just like your dad's way of like orchestrating a really scary scenario to just take you out of going. What did we learn? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but, oh, but it, it was the right. Fortunately, it was the right. It was the right car, and so like you, I, you are not missing any organs, right? Just uh, no, we can <laughs> totally intact. <laughs> they haven't got me yet, man. Um, so, uh, so yeah, they like he he sort of delivered me to um, delivered me to uh, uh, like this random office in a place called Junet outside of Beirut, and and he was uh, you know there's just like a guy in the office, and he was like, oh oh you're from you're from you're from the guy and i was like yep i'm i'm from yep that's who i'm from and um so he's like have a seat and i was like okay cool and so i sat down and i had like my little journalist notebook and and he started telling me about like the islamic state for like about three hours and then i was like and he's like do you have enough and i'm like yep i guess i do and he's like great my my driver will take you back and i was like okay and so got dropped off at my hostel and i was like that was weird and um (laughs) But you're alive. That that that's uh, yeah. that's positive. Well, it kept happening. So like somebody was just like like oh um you need to go meet with this uh uh political scientist at the American University of Beirut. So like I go so up there. Who was making all these connections? And do you know yeah. why? I'm just uh, so, curious. Yeah, it was um uh so it was my my the guy who would eventually become my boss. Um and you know a lot of his uh sort of philosophy is is you know you've you've got to sort of be on the ground in these areas you've got to uh talk directly with people uh who are are studying particular things so that that like you have an on the ground knowledge because it's like the the difference between what you can read in books and the difference between what somebody who's had had direct experience with the the ins and outs of of uh whatever the political environment is 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 night and day they're not even comparable so Going and talking to somebody who was a counterterrorism expert in in Lebanon is a very, very different thing than somebody who's talking, you know, working at like, I don't know, some some think tank in Washington, D.C. Uh, and has read a lot of really great historical texts about that area. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a totally different thing. So. Um, just, so yeah, just to this, clarify, this is before you became a. In, this is how you became an intense analyst. So you're not yeah. there yet. So no, this was no, just no. Like I was just a I was side just project that just happened to happen because you mentioned you were going to go to the Middle East and yeah. Turkey at the coup, and your dad was like, "Hey, <laughs> random guy on the internet, you should follow what he says." But okay, yeah, was yeah, yeah. Working yeah. for this guy, <laughs> or was there a reason that he was? You know, like it sounds like he's set you up with some pretty cool spots. <laughs> oh, it was super cool. Yeah, no, it was super interesting. Um, I mean, the, he's the guy who I ended, ended up working with. And then, you know, uh, so I, I did my, like, month of just talking with, with random shadowy figures in, um, in, uh, uh, in Beirut. And I was like, that was neat. And then I, I went, <laughs> went back to Albania and I was, ta- I was teaching yoga. Um, and, uh, and so that was, Love it. yeah. I, I just feel like the take, take home... <laughs> Take home listen, uh, Mark. Two for this podcast is uh, if there's random people in a van offering you candy, take the candy. Go, <laughs> go! You're gonna get a great story out of it. Plus, could be good candy. 
Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> I was offered no candy. Um, yeah, though, just don't look up, some... like, shady Eric Tales at, uh, at OnlyFans.com. We don't talk about which, that. <laughs> actually, please do. I need the subs. Please <laughs> look up shady Eric Tales. Um, it, is, it is less stories about travel than you might think. Um, <laughs> so I, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I was teaching yoga in Albania shortly after, after all of this. And I, I had started, you know, writing about, about, um, and writing and publishing about the stuff that was going on in the area about the, the Syrian civil war at the time. Um, you know, nothing, nothing super groundbreaking, but like, I, I really enjoyed learning about the area. And, and of course, like being on the ground was really cool. So I, I wrote to the guy and I was like, hey, I liked doing that. That was neat. Um, what do I do now? Like, how do I, how do I, how do we make this thing keep going? Um, uh, and so he was like, okay, well, I'll train you to be an analyst. And I was like, cool. And also I needed a job. So great. Like uh, this, this all works. As I, I really, you know, I was really not uh uh financially secure due to the fact that i was i was just spending all my money on on plane tickets to the middle east um <laughs> they and couldn't so, have been super expensive though given all the things going on Did they still have hard to get special? there from los angeles <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's true <laughs> so well, well, i mean i, I just thought... carry is taking you from well, like, exactly <laughs> you can go fly in coup class you know like fly into uh turkey because no one else wants to I, especially at that time. Um, yeah. but I mean, I can't fly through Turkey anymore. Um, like they, I can't, right, I can't even d touch their airport. <laughs> um, wow. So, we have to get to that. <laughs> yeah. 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 They, they, the Turks don't like me. Um, no. so, uh, uh, so anyway, he was like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll train you. And I was like, okay. And then, then I got an email and it was like, you're going to come in and like, you know, be a part of the training program. I was like, cool. And the role is like intelligence analyst. And I saw that like title for the first time. I was like, Oh, oh no way. <laughs> like <laughs> immediately was just like, I gotta tell everybody I know. Um, Excuse me. Gotta go get my black suit. <laughs> yeah. I've got to like, like, when do I get like my, my splinter cell night vision goggles and, <laughs> neoprene watch first you yeah. know <laughs> i'm just like always wearing a neoprene suit and like just constantly <laughs> in the shadows learning always about world war one yeah exactly the reason i didn't make it as an intelligence analyst was specifically because of that they were like eric's never in the office but i was i was just in a box sneaking around <laughs> Writing a book about them. Yeah. And if youngins didn't get that, that's a Metal Gear Solid reference. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid was a video game of the PS1 operating system. Uh, oh. <laughs> basically, a, a cave painting at this point. <laughs> um, but so yeah, it was. Last as a. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, I think like four months altogether. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, but it no, seems it wasn't, like you, wasn't. You were really, really excited about the job. Uh, yeah, and then no. they then they like liquidated most of the company, and so like I was oh, okay. I was trained with uh, like they they I did a month of training out there uh, in Texas, and it was me and me and three other people. No, me and 
four other people and i think only one of them ended up uh ended up continuing on and he he continued on working there for for a couple of years um and the rest of us were just like you know left with a, a head full of knowledge about terrorism and missiles uh and it's like well what do i do now i can speak conversational <laughs> albanian and i know a lot about the sykes pico treaty uh I don't know. It sounds like those people from Tropoya need that knowledge now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm back. There's some arbitrage. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to learn about various air-to-air -air missiles? <laughs> um, I think they do. I think yeah. they do. <laughs> <laughs> Eric just won't leave. <laughs> um, so, so I, was this like you a... Know, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, was, was it mainly like a a company sort of restructuring thing that happened or they were downsizing or is that basically yeah yeah, yeah okay, okay yeah so they uh, like the 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 company expanded quite a bit in the time that i was there and you know we did i mean the the training was was it was it was a lot longer than i thought it was going to be because they're like yeah you're coming out for training and i was like oh that'll be an interesting like week or so and then it was like a full month that i was wow. i was out and like um uh, in a suburban home living with these people who I had never met. Um, now all of them good buddies. Uh, cause you know, we were going through the, the, the geopolitical, uh, uh, fire together. Uh, the best thing you can do in the world though, is like, uh, is play settlers of Catan with, with some, some geopolitical oh. nerds. <laughs> Mm. Settlers of Catan board game. It, 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 awesome. it ends in a standoff, uh, you know, to, to quote, <laughs> To quote uh, War Games, the only way to win is not to play. Um, <laughs> Redraw the board? No. <laughs> that's right. Uh, needless to say, we, not all of us made it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so like we, um, we're there just sort of uh, cramming information about how to, uh, uh, how to do research, how to look at various areas of the world. Um, how to um uh how to write about these areas of the world so like my my area and i remember just being up to like three o'clock in the morning at one point writing about belarus and trying to find out more information about like the energy infrastructure of belarus because oftentimes like with with um with geopolitics you're you're asking the question like uh not like can a country or a leader or somebody do something but like, do they have to, are they being forced to do something? So like, what's the geopolitical imperative of one country? And then also like, what's stopping them? You know, uh, like what uh, would an example be if you wouldn't mind? Cause that, that's sure. As someone who's not in the field, like what would a question like that look like? Yeah. So, um, let's say, um, uh, I mean, to, to be pretty prescient for right now, right. There's the, mm -hmm. the, the conflict that's going on in, in the Red Sea, uh, and that's the, the geopolitical imperative of the United States is to basically ensure, uh, a free trade under American protection over the ocean. Uh, and that's been the case since the, you know, since the Bretton Woods uh, agreement, uh, which was the sort of like economic restructuring post, I think it was World War II. Um, so like the reason that that's a really big deal is because the U.S. has this imperative to ensure that there is like constant global trade that is is 
quote unquote safe for everybody that we deem that to be safe for. Right. And so that's how, that's how you can, you can sort of look at certain areas of the world and, and do a little bit of, of, you know, not very hard guessing about like what will be important and what won't be important. So it's like, if suddenly you're making uh, uh, an, a choke point for through which like a significant percentage of the goods that are traded globally uh, are, are unable to safely get through, well, you're probably going to invite some kind of uh, response from whoever the, the protector of that area is just due to the fact of, of how we ended World War II, the United States elected itself the police of the seas. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's our imperative. Um, and every other country has imperatives too, that, that they have to, uh, that they have to manage, um, uh, imperatives and, and, um, uh, constraints. So while the U S has an imperative to, to maintain the, uh, security of, of, the free trade on the oceans and, and the increase of globalization, um, it, also is constrained by the fact that it uh, is has a reduced tax base because the middle class has sort of gone the way of the dodo um and <laughs> and because there is a lot of internal conflict in the US so because of that it's it's constraining the ability to act as a securing force um and so when you know the sort of like constraints and imperatives of of whatever country you're looking at then you can make some pretty good guesses about what might happen next. Of course, there are always like these black swan moments. Uh, but, you know, people have been talking about, about um, Russian uh, entrance into Ukraine for many, many years. Um, obviously, 2014 was when, when it became a hot war again. Um, but, but, you know, to see an actual invasion is, is uh, something that, that people had predicted as well. They had wow. predicted? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because the, you know, uh, part of, I mean, at least from, I, I'm not a, an expert in the area. I'm actually, in, uh, I think the only expert that I, uh, the only expertise that I could actually claim is, uh, is uh, unrecognized nations. Um, <laughs> but, you know, part of, part of what, um, uh, why Ukraine was, was so important for the former Soviet Union was because it was the breadbasket, right? Um, you know, Russia is, uh, is a, a petro state, uh, that, that makes a great deal of money through, uh, through, uh, minerals and through, um, through oil, but that's great when it's great. And it's, uh, it's a liability when it's not. So in order to like project power externally and to also protect yourself internally, you need to have a diversified economy and, and having foodstuffs is a really good way of doing that. Um, so, so there's, you know, the layer of, you know, post-Soviet nationalism that's on it, like, ah, oh, this has always been Russia. Let's take this back. Uh, but then there's also just the, the sort of hard facts of, of like what resources uh, a, a nation needs to, to continue functioning and to keep throwing its weight around in, in a globalized world. Wow. I mean, thank you very much for explaining all that. I mean, it, it's also like, I was just sitting there going, what a random episode. We started off Albania, yoga instructor, <laughs> now it's like, here's actually the geopolitical basis of what Ukraine and Russia are doing and what, what's happening in the Red Sea. I was like, was not expecting it during this episode. <laughs> Yeah, nor I mean normally I I I, I, I normally I don't I don't conflict uh, comment on on 
on on like you know the, these active conflicts at the moment. But it is it is really really interesting and it's super telling because uh it, because it's it's kind of the same thing that that i was watching play out while i was while i was traveling with my book which is just like you you have uh you, like there it, when i when i think about nation states like the the nation is the sort of story that's hovering above the land uh the way that i think that the, the way i think about it now is that that uh, you can destroy a state, but you can never destroy a nation because so long as there's like a couple of people who remember that nation, um, then that nation still exists. It, it exists not on land and not in infrastructure. It's sort of shared in the, the, the hearts of the people in a certain respect. You know, if America sinks into the ocean tomorrow, like the landmass that, that the United States is like, I would probably still call myself an American. I wouldn't like call myself a Californian. Also that sunk, you know, it, with this thought experiment that sunk too, but like the, that national story is still like in my mind. Um, so the state infrastructure is is one thing, and then the national infrastructure is another thing. The national infrastructure is more has more to do with uh, one person's personal identity of or one person's understanding of their own identity and how that plugs into the larger world. You were talking before that about nationless state. Mm. Yeah, so I, I so you can I you know it's. It's an interesting because uh, I've been calling them stateless nations for um, for a while, um, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> other way around. Um, but I so it started when I was when I was researching uh, the Kurds a lot, um, and so the Kurds are the uh, the largest uh, stateless nation in the world. They're about thirty five million Kurdish people okay. um, in the world. I want to say. So I'm trying to think of this is in the world. Actually, there are quite a few in in Australia. Um, uh, no, that's our entire population, 35 million. Is it? Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. Or, or less than. Yeah. <laughs> Wait I think a second. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are all Kurdish. <laughs> uh, that's where they went. They that's found a, that's a, a continent and they set up there. They have that's a grave <laughs> misunderstanding of Kurdistan. All of my research did not point me to Australia. That's crazy. Um. <laughs> You're so I, map upside down. Your yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, when I when I was a, a, a failing intelligence analyst trainee, I I uh, was sort of introspecting as to like why I didn't like writing about this stuff and like why I didn't I didn't particularly enjoy the work because I felt like you know uh, it it was satisfying my intellectual curiosity about about history, about culture, about geography, about all of these things. Um, but the actual day-to-day -day job is is watching warfare and and being a war nerd um, and trying to be as dispassionate as possible about those things. And it's like, I, I mean, I, I like people and I don't like, you know, talking every day about people blowing up. Uh, it just like, and it makes you a huge bummer to talk to uh, at a bar because you're just like, these <laughs> missiles, ah! Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like do, no, do you want to know about surface to, surface to air missiles no <laughs> like, why not <laughs> these missiles are moving through the kazakh desert they're esconders <laughs> um yeah so it's like nobody nobody wants to to be next to that guy at a bar uh so i i was like you know well what do i what's actually 
you know, what, what one of these things is, is actually exciting uh, to me and like interesting to me. And since I had spent so much time looking at the, uh, at the Kurdish region, um, and they were preparing for their referendum on independence, I was like, wow, that's actually super, super interesting. And, you know, if I was able to go there, I could literally be in a country on the day that it gets made. And like, wouldn't that be cool? It's like, you know, that that is pretty cool. Right. And it's like, like, (laughs) you talk about Kurdistan. Yep, I was there. (laughs) Like, first day, (laughs) day one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do they give you like so an honorary I, passport because you were there? Probably like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> NFTs. Um, <laughs> uh, so I um, and then I was just like, well, I mean, I don't need to be uh, an intelligence analyst to do this. I don't even need to be a journalist to do this. I can I can figure out a way to get to that country and to to experience that and and write about it. And so since I had a background in teaching, I would just like Google jobs in, in Erbil in uh, Iraqi Kurdistan. And then like within three weeks I had a pat, you know, I had a, 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 a ticket to Erbil and an apartment there. Uh, Cause you know, I've, I've taught, I've taught, you know, classrooms before. So it was fairly easy You've to get English over before <laughs> I have. Yeah. And I was teaching, I was teaching English and homeroom uh, to third and fourth grade uh, kids in, uh, in Iraqi Kurdistan. Um, but yeah, it w- that seemed a lot more exciting because it was like, this was more of a story about like the world coming together in different ways rather than the world tearing itself apart. And also there's like some pretty, some pretty fascinating layers of irony in that area that particularly that, that, you know, the, the area of Northern Iraq, because it's like, Within, I guess, from 2014 to when I went there in 2016, the Islamic State was, you know, doing its best to enforce a land-based country on the area. Meanwhile, the Kurds are fighting for their own sovereignty and state-based recognition. And at one point, um, there you have Kurdish fighters who are from an unrecognized country fighting with the Islamic State, ostensibly an unrecognized country. And you have like two ways that people are are battling for recognition in the world. Like one is through democratic processes and the other is through just like absolute brute strength. And frankly, like the the exception to the rule rather than the rule itself is like more often than not, countries are made through brute strength rather than democratic processes. Um, and as a sort of like added layer of irony too, um, because whenever, uh, history isn't being like totally heartbreaking and horrifying, it's, it's, it's ironic and goofy. Um, like the, uh, uh, the, presumably the, the historical foundation of what they say, where they say the tower of Babel was, uh, is Hmm. in that desert. It's in the, the Nineveh, uh, plain. So it's like the allegory of statehood. (laughs) is in between these two stateless forces they're both like fighting for the same land and it's like like what what are we all doing can't we all just go home what's happening i mean (laughs) no i mean it just seems like you know i say this a lot about current day which is it just feels like 
if you were to fast forward a hundred years or something, right, you would be reading history books about this point in history right now. Like, you know, growing up, I was like, oh, you know, moon landing. I kind of just missed that and all that stuff. Yeah. Those were like historic times. Like Berlin Wall, yeah, I was a bit too young to fully understand it, but that was historic, right? But it was kind of like isolated kind of country-based or nation-based uh, events. Like right now just feels like there is history that's like capital H, like the entire world totally. is, watching, is in somehow involved or is somehow responding and the responses are global, right? Um, yeah. Like, and it, it, and it seems like this is kind of like the beginning, like, you know, in a way, like these are I think you're right. of things. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely yeah. correct. I mean, I, I think that like, and, and I, you know, to sort of like drill down on, on what, what you may mean by like feeling history happen, right. Is I think that, that, that feeling of, of history actually happening occurs when something, an event, you know, detonates somewhere in the world. And it's not just that area that's affected. It's everywhere. Right. Mm. Um, I remember going to the Middle East for the first time. And, and um, it, as, as I started learning about it, I was like, well, the Middle East as a, as an idea is certainly not a homogenous space. There is so much diversity in in every Middle Eastern country that we know about. It. However, there are so many important connections that exist within the region writ large that when something happens in one part of it, let's say something happens in Lebanon, then Iran is also activated. Then something is also going on in northern Iraq. Something is also going on, you know. But now it seems like it, that is the entire world where mm. we're we're feeling the interconnectedness that that globalization has has allowed us. Like you know, the world where this is the most obvious route in terms of connecting to separate spheres of the world, and uh, it just happens to be the center, which always becomes the hotspot, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, well, and and it's. I mean, I think that that one of the uh, uh, like we're now so much more like. I think people oftentimes look at the sort of like godlike power that that technology gives us, and we're like, we're committing what I, I call the man on the moon fallacy, which is assuming that because we have we have the same amount of power in every other don domain, mm. even though we're using technology in a disconnected way so it's like there, there's this old cliche of like we can put a man on the moon but we can't stop homelessness or whatever it's like well those are two very different things like what how <laughs> in god's name would you think those are the same like but well, i mean you put the homeless people on the moon right that's the clearly obvious way to use that hit the cheers button hit the cheers button you just solved homelessness you just did it <laughs> There you go. Nice. I thought yeah. you were going to get the cat button, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like, I think that like, you know, we, we, uh, people rarely think about the, the hard facts of, of geography and of demography um, when they're like, yeah, but like we can, I can talk to my friend and send money across borders and do, do X, Y, and Z. It's like, yeah, but there are some hard facts that still exist in the world. It's like, you know, we, 
we and we have a globalized system which means that that it becomes more brittle as as value is able to be traded internationally now that also means that we're all dependent on one another like i think some that i was reading somewhere that like um the average pair of jeans is is constructed mm. on like four continents uh th there's um I think there's a book called like one yellow pencil or something, which traces. Oh, just how, paperclip, uh, yeah, the paperclip like, one. Yeah. Uh, no, the paperclip the is pencil. trading. Like how there's. That's there's right. Yeah. Yeah. About, yeah. The red paperclip is like how you trade up the, the mm -hmm. it's like one pencil or something. And it's about how no one in the world knows how to make a pencil because it right. goes through so many steps and processes from the minerals to the wood, to the paint, to every other step, to how it gets packaged and ends up there. It essentially does like around the world trip. And that's kind of like the story of globalization in a way. Right. Um, yeah. So just getting back. Yeah, go ahead. Go. Uh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, just to bring it back to, to you go on this trip. Was the book always the plan? Yeah. 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 It was, yeah? Uh, it, it was certainly the plan. Um, and, and, I think it was both the plan and it was also kind of my passport into these areas because if you just show up and you're like, I just want to see what's going on, uh, <laughs> people are a little bit frostier. But if you're like, I'm working on my master's dissertation from Oxford, they're like, well, I'll answer Come your questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, that that's kind of what ended up getting me um, access to, um, uh, to Lieberland down the line. So... I was um, uh, the uh, the election or the referendum was about to happen in in Erbil, and I was uh, you know I was I was a third grade teacher, so I didn't have journalistic credentials. I didn't have access to to anything. So I was like, okay, well, I've got to figure out a way to get better access to these events and things that are going on in the city. And so I just I just rolled up to the International Hotel uh in the area and uh was like i'll just wait until somebody speaks english and <laughs> and figure and i'll find a journalist and make friends with them and then Can I, just say, they... I i love your book for the very fact that it reads like you're doing a travel vlog but with a bit of like a gotcha cam <laughs> attached right it's like you know, that specific point i remember just thinking if this was like made into a movie it'd be the time where the narrator goes so I went and found some journalists, right? And then you go to a B cam where it's just like totally with a hidden camera with yeah. you just sitting down and journalists come and you're like, hello, let's be friends. And I was just like, Pretty well. I could see that scene just playing out in my head. I remember like when I was going, when I was walking up to the hotel that night, I remember thinking, this is such a dumb idea. Like this is, this is potentially one of the dumbest ideas that I like, I'm just going to go insinuate myself into like, you know, some poor journalist that's like there to, you know, cover uh, 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 the independence of a country. And I'm just going to be like, I'm Eric. I'm a third grade teacher. Can we be friends? Uh, <laughs> but you did. No, I know. And, I, did. <laughs> and if it wasn't for that, like, I mean, that, that changed my life so dramatically, like literally just, just, you know, shout out to Marcel. I actually just saw him in Sarajevo. Um, but, uh, so I, um, yeah, I, I started talking with these journalists and, um, they were like, oh yeah, book sounds interesting. Um, you know, if you're, if you're interested in, in unrecognized nations, you should get a load of Lieberland. And I was like, what's Lieberland? And then this, this, um, uh, Dutch journalist named Marcel, he was like, oh, it's the world's first, you know, uh, 
libertarian micro nation that's based on cryptocurrencies and it's on an empty island in the Balkans. And I was like, I, that didn't get me any closer to understanding what Lieberland is. What? <laughs> and he's I like, think you yeah. Chandra's uh, curiosity already. He's like, what? Like <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> wild area. So um, he was like, well, I'll just give you the president's contact information. And I was like, okay. Well, why not? <laughs> this is the first you're hearing of it as well i assume oh yeah well i'd also never heard of cryptocurrencies at that point either i didn't i didn't know a damn thing about about bitcoin Mm -hmm. other than like you know my 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 buddy dave was like these are cool and i was like whatever dave and then i wish i listened (laughs) um see see (laughs) my intro to cryptocurrency was i was doing exam chandra just again rocked up and crashed on my couch and then he's like he's a fire extinguisher and i'm like why he's like your entire garden shed is now a crypto mining rig it occasionally overheats <laughs> so fire <Ooh>. extinguisher <laughs> it probably won't burn down <laughs> were you were... exact words literal exact words were that <laughs> so, and that I think. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you oh. you wouldn't you wouldn't be the first and last shed that burned down because of of, <laughs> of Bitcoin. <laughs> well, the thing was right. I came home and suddenly there was an electrician, and he's like, "Oh, just wrapping up." I'm like, "Wrapping up what?" He's wrapping like, "Oh, what? you now have double phase power going to the shed." I'm like, "What?" And then yeah, came the, the power extinguisher. <laughs> yeah, and then and it's like. Next, Next month, my power bill was literally 10x what I was Holy paying. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, good god. Very, yeah, it's energy. It, it's planet friendly. Everyone, it is totally green. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going great. The world. <laughs> it's like, it's like you you imagine some conversation in Dubai, and it's like this is the future of finance. Cut immediately to you like spraying your burning shed with a, a fire extinguisher. It's like this is the future of finance. <laughs> The bigger problem was when the spiders started crawling into the non-windy spots of the... Uh, uh... No, then you also had my cat who would disappear, and yeah. then I would eventually realize the shed was warm, it was winter, <laughs> so that's where my cat was <laughs> going but... now to, to the, the Bitcoin mine, which which was like, literally, I have, I think, one of those Ikea, he just got like an Ikea drawer, like, you know, those wired drawers? Yeah. So there was just like, the computer motherboard was just stacked, right? Right. With, uh, with literal um, zip ties to hold it Classic together. Classic homebrew. Yeah, yep. with two box fans <laughs> Gotta on keep one it side. And, and my cat would go play Hunt the Spiders. So, yeah. <laughs> it was, a... <laughs> it was you, an employee. You, 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 employee. It's all good. You lose your cat in the, in the crypto shed for like two hours and she comes out being like, we got to catch this pump on XRP, man. I'm super <laughs> bullish on EOS. Like you idiot! I was studying for like my final exam to become an ethicist anesthesiologist, right? Yeah, that's the text message I was getting from Chandra. He's like, "Hey, hey, hey, do you, you want to get in on this?" And I'm like, "No, dude, I want to pass. I just want to pass. <laughs> you know, I just want to finish this. I've got one exam left in me. Let me just pass." And he's like, dude, but, "So but how is being really cool. poor? Sucks, Raffy." <laughs> Must yeah, must well, really suck that <laughs> you still have yeah. your shed. That's the most important thing. It's a historic shed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as long as you you know, it's a historic burn mark around where a shed yeah. once was. Yeah. There's just a, Can I just... there's just a crater, and it's like, did Peace Corps open up in Australia? <laughs> who's the new recruit uh, can i just say just reading your book you, you know you, you seem to 
have an uncanny ability to put the fear and, uh, you know, like the fact that you're about to head into, yeah, like Tripoya and all these places that are a hotspot to say the least, right? Like you put the fear away and you get the thing done. So what's this about karaoke and your fear of that? I think think karaoke is just full of perverse incentives. I think that karaoke, like the only reason, there's only two ways to do karaoke in my understanding. It's like either you're, you're so drunk and bad that you're going to get the the like the community in that bar on your side or you can absolutely if you're the top 1% you can absolutely slay at karaoke i think that the the win state for karaoke is so hard to hit that 99.9% of the time you're just submitting yourself to public embarrassment and red- ridicule and so, wow. so yeah, my, my, that's my like problem... karaoke game theory right there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's my next book. <laughs> <laughs> karaoke from different countries, preferably <laughs> stateless one. I've, I've heard, uh, I've heard karaoke is a really uh, like legit big thing in, in, uh, like, is it Korea and Japan? Are they, oh, they super into it? Oh, like Melbourne. There's literally a friend of mine <laughs> organizing pre-Taylor Swift karaoke for Taylor Swift songs before she comes and plays here in Melbourne. So that's literally like there's wow. an entire message thread about this happening right now that's muted. Because yes, I'm with you. Karaoke just anxiety provoking. I'm out. It, there's no like it, it's. Uh, I don't know what would sober me up faster. It's like that <laughs> that uh, or 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 the bar catching fire. Like I don't. <laughs> I never want to. And then the other perverse incentive of it is just that like, there's something about you desperately not wanting to do karaoke that immediately makes your friends be like, you know who has to do it. (laughs) You haven't sung anything for a bit. Once. I've been once. And I was so grumpy. They were like, okay, you don't have to sing. I was like, (gasps) that's the thing. Pretend to be 80 years old. I, I think that that's uh, pretend to be 80 years old is a, is a life hack that, that I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people are embracing. I think that could work in a lot of different situations. I think there was a point where I was literally feigning not being able to read the lyrics and making stuff up. And they're like, it's just there. It's in big letters. And I'm like, I can't see it. I'm 80. <laughs> they, they, all, your doc- reading glasses. <laughs> all your doctor friends were like, he's having a stroke. He can't read. <laughs> Thankfully, Wait, I only mentioned one. Anxiety, make him sing. <laughs> now, oh. if we can, if we can mine crypto using karaoke, proof of proof of rhythm, um, <laughs> then we can we can finally finally make that 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 blockchain revolution happen that I keep hearing so much about. Yeah, don't, don't don't encourage Chandra. Like literally, when we started the podcast, it was all all crypto all the time, and now it's like. <gasps> We started this season. No, we lost it a minute AI. and forty-seven seconds AI before AI came Richter. up. <laughs> Look, man, I, I I hate to I, I hate to be squarely on Team Chandra here, but that's like <laughs> what I do for work now. Is I work in crypto. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, okay. Ha- but it's because so of Liberland. Well, yeah, yeah. It's because of that. Link? How did yeah. you go from there okay. to? That so seems I, like slightly random connections there. Right. So I have to I have to preface this with what I am going to say is is sounds insane. 
Um, uh, and absolutely is. financial advice. You should invest your entire life savings. <laughs> no, because this of, is uh, this... what you're hearing on random <laughs> yeah. people saying on the <laughs> One, internet. Please 100%. don't take us seriously. <laughs> no, 100% financial advice. <laughs> that's 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 what makes me different. I I stand behind my financial <laughs> advice. Um, so um, yeah. I I got the you know information uh, of the president of Liberland. Uh, and I just, I, I started like bothering him. Basically I started emailing him just like randomly. Like whenever I had downtime, I was like, Hey, it's me again. I I'm writing a book about unrecognized nations. I, you know, I know Marcel, um, the, can I come over and hang out and see your, your country? Um, and eventually I heard back from him a couple months later. Um, I was doing research in a place called Transnistria at the time. Transnistria is like this weird little slip of land between Moldova and Ukraine uh, that is yeah, still yeah, kind okay. of the Soviet Union. Uh, it's a really strange place. Read the book to find out more about, about Transnistria. Um, and so somebody from Lieberland got back to me and they're like, oh, um, yeah, well, you can come learn more about us, I guess. Uh, you can come to our 30 year anniversary. And I was like, great. And they're like, yeah, you just need to make it to like northern Serbia in the next like three days. And I was like, fine. <laughs> I'm so, used to this. <laughs> yeah, totally. So like 28 Where, hours. Of... Where's my Where's my rocket gun to ship me over? <laughs> <laughs> I, I call it a Peace Corps airstrike. And, and they just they shoot me across to North Serbia. It's it's more just like uncomfortable buses and trains across Romania for for 28 fucking hours um sorry you can still hear the rage in my voice because they never turned the lights off in that train car (laughs) (laughs) oh horrible Um, they didn't want you to fall asleep it's a long train ride (laughs) otherwise you can't miss your stop stop. you can't miss your stop (laughs) sometimes i wonder if i actually died on that train from boredom and this this is all just an illusion caused by like my my failing synapses um (laughs) And so I, I got there and then they're like, okay, well, you know, we're not actually allowed to step foot on the island of Liberland. So we just kind of like hang out on houseboats uh, near uh, on the Danube River. And I was like, okay. So I went up and met some of uh, like the first Liberlander um, in like a port city, well, port town uh, called Apatine in northern Serbia. And, you know, this sort of shirtless Dutch guy is there and he's like, oh, are you a Lieberlander? And I was like, I don't think so. And he's like, well, <laughs> come aboard. Let's change that. And so started talking with this guy. Uh, shout out to Yoshi. Um, and he like was introducing me to what I didn't realize at the time was like, you know, the the tenets of, of, of crypto anarchy. And, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, the, the fiat financial system, Chandra <laughs> leaning in, <laughs> the, you know, fiat financial system is, is based off of like, you know, debt, wage slavery and, and warfare. And I was like, yeah, man, fuck yeah. I'm so sick of the man. And, you know, what we're doing here at Libra, an island that was uh, declared as no man's land after the fall of Yugoslavia, and we're creating our sort of like crypto libertarian paradise on it. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But we're also on a houseboat right now, not there. And he's like, yeah, the (laughs) the Croatians won't let us step foot on it without arresting us. (laughs) And I was like, right. Cool. As you do. So they were like, okay, well, um, you know, come to this, the, the conference tomorrow and it turned out it was a cryptocurrency conference. I didn't know a dang thing about cryptocurrencies at this point. Um, 
and um, I was introduced to the Secretary of State of Lieberland initially, and he was like not a shirtless Dutch guy. He was like this really like you know posh Englishman. And I'm like, what are we doing here? He's like, oh, we're making a country. I'm like, you people are serious about this. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're super serious about this. And he's like, come on the boats tomorrow. And I was like, okay, um, I'll go on I'll go on the houseboats to go look at the island. So, you know, pack 80 crypto nerds onto a, like the sort of flotilla of boats of all sizes. Like some people were on dinghies, some people were on houseboats. I was on the houseboat because I was trying to find the president. Um and uh, I like I just got on the biggest boat and I figured he would be there, but like I couldn't find him. And since it's a boat, like there are limited options of where he could be because it's a boat. So many, so many places. <laughs> right. <to find. laughs> As a boat owner, you understand this. <laughs> and like I saw him get onto it, and I was like, "How? What? He's like Batman. How did he get off of the boat?" And then we're on this, you know, they're floating down the Danube River. Meanwhile, Croatian police. Poli- Croatian police are are sort of like following us to make sure the crypto nerds don't get onto the island. Um, and so it's a weird party-like so atmosphere. Island owned by Croatia? Like, why are they stopping you from getting on the island? That... The, according to the Croatians, their, their problem uh, is that they have, like, they, they were in the midst of a legal battle at the time, and Liberland and and Croatia have have had many legal battles at this point. But at the time, they were basically saying, hey, you can't start a country on our border because it's an affront to our national sovereignty. Um, And so we're not allowing any of you people to get on the island until this court case is solved. Lieberlanders say, technically, they they don't own it. Yeah. And that okay. was then settled in court. So now, like, where we are in Liberland history now mm. is that that has been settled and they've just gone, like, they're going to court again with, with Croatia. So this is, like, a constant thing with them. Um, but I was... So apparently uh, it really is a stateless idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're building now. At least they were until the Croatians came in and bulldozed their settlement. Oh, that's that's oh, not ideal. Yeah, that just happened. I think that happened like six months ago. Huh. Yeah, so it's I I I stay abreast of all the Liberland news, um, and uh, so I I you know I was just trying to meet the president, and then and then I noticed that he was on like a jet ski uh, that was like whizzing around all of the the uh, boats, and he was like sort of tying it up, and then like getting off and giving some presidential speech, and then getting on the jet ski again and riding around. And, uh, and so I was like, I have to meet the president and I have to, I have to get on the jet ski. That sounds awesome. So I like went to the side of the boat and I was just like waving at him. And, uh, fortunately the foreign secretary, a guy named Tom, uh, was like, you want to get on the jet ski? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's why I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. And, and like, Tom was just like this random American dude who like work, works in, in tech uh and this foreign secretary of Lieberland. And um so he he waved the president Vigilika down and got on the back of the jet ski and I'm like holding on to the president of Lieberland and I'm like, hey I'm Eric because it's loud uh because it's a jet ski. <laughs> and so perfect place to do a podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> so like we're just like bouncing through the waves and 
and I'm I'm holding the president of Liberland, and and uh, he knew who I was from my my many emails, and uh, uh, you know, I asked him what uh, you know what advice he would have he would give to anybody who wanted to start a country because he was the only person I had met after sort of almost a year of living on, in unrecognized countries that had actually started a country, and he's like well, everybody should start their own country. And then he hit like a sick 180 and like water went everywhere and the Croatian police were like shaking their fists. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's like so dope. <laughs> like, and my my bar for political leadership is so low. All you need to do is like a 180. And I'm like, whoa, I vote for you. Um. And so I got I got back on the boat, the houseboat, and the foreign secretary Tom was like, um, "Oh, so like, where's next stop on your journey?" And I was like, "Oh, Somaliland." And he's like, "We've got a embassy there." And I was like, "That's weird. What?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> where, where yeah. is Somaliland?" So it's the northern portion of uh, of Somalia. Um, so Somalia okay. is this kind of like. Um, dagger shape that goes into the what's yeah. up, the Indian Ocean and the Red Sea, those two together. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's where sailing boats stay away from. Yeah, yeah, I would recommend not hanging <laughs> out there. Um, so Somaliland is its own unrecognized nation. There's a couple of different like independence movements throughout what we know as Somalia. Um, but actually Somaliland is going to become a, a big deal, I think, in the next probably like year um there's there's some there's some rumblings here first that's right uh, at the randed podcast (laughs) (laughs) for more geopolitical news smash like and subscribe get 20 percent of the geopolitical newspaper (laughs) newsletter Um, do like a news episode where you're the geopolitical (laughs) correspondent (laughs) a bunch of people being mean to each other <laughs> Seems always people being different mean. So we he was like, Do you want to stay at the embassy? And I was like, I mean, yeah, I like I, I have like zero dollars and I <laughs> don't want to spend that on a safe hotel in, in Somaliland because like the safest hotel in the area is is like 150 bucks a night. It's pretty pretty rough. Um he's like, Yeah, yeah, you can stay at our embassy, and I was like, Oh, sweet. And so waited uh until basically i had like three days until i was i was going to uh the capital which is called hargiza and i just didn't hear from anybody at liberland and i was like this is not the best because i have a ticket to northern somalia and 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 i'm just like i just show up and i'm like uh i'm here for six weeks i'll get in that car <laughs> <laughs> same driver from beirut like don't yeah. <laughs> Don't I know you? Okay. Dude, <laughs> stop getting in cars. <laughs> so um, I like, you know, I'm texting the president and he's like, what's your number? And I'm like, okay, I give him my number. He calls me. And I'm like, hello, Mr. President. Um, I don't, like, and he he said, well, you know, I don't know if this this messes with your book, but I'm sorry, like we lost our, we lost our ambassador to, to, um, uh, Somaliland and I was like oh no like I that means that like I'm gonna be like homeless in in Hargiza and that's not a great situation for me to be in um especially with only like 300 bucks to my name and then he was like so no the thing that like I don't know if it'll like mess up your book is like would you want to do that like would you want to do that and I was like 
what exactly? And he's like, do you want to be the ambassador from Liberland to Somaliland? <laughs> and I was like, can I stay at the embassy? He said, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course you can stay at the embassy. I was like, okay, yeah, no, totally. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll be your ambassador, whatever. What do I have to do? And he's mm-hmm. like, well, you have to establish diplomatic relations with the government of Hargeza and, and Somaliland. And I was like, totally, I can do that. And then he said... Like a brand uh, ambassador. A, yes, a brand ambassador. That's why they're all wearing Nikes. Um, <laughs> and, and so then he was like, and then you also have to buy furniture for the embassy because there's nothing in there. Uh, but we put a mattress in there for you so you can sleep in there. And I was like, great, I can do those two things. <laughs> Um, so I went off to Hargiza and, um, uh, and you know, I was working, so I met the vice president of Somaliland. Uh, if anybody wants to see photos of this, you can see my Instagram. It's, uh, the, you know, it'll be very clear which photo, uh, I am not Somali in, um, uh, there's, it's super, you'll know which one I am. Um, so we'll put your yes. Instagram links on the uh, show notes, but <laughs> yeah. what is it? Just for <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, E and then my last name and uh, Instagram. Uh, um, and uh, so yeah, it, like we were, I was doing that, um, you know, looking at buying furniture and also uh, doing doing various other things in in Somaliland, learning about the area. And uh, then a cyclone blew through um, that kind of knocked out <laughs> communications. Cyclone Sagar blew through and. Um, uh, we, you know, I had no connection with um, uh, the folks at Lieberland anymore. And then when it came back on, I was talking to the Secretary of State, and he was like, "Oh, well, you know, this. Um, we're glad you're safe, but this is also really great for our relations with Somaliland because uh, we're going to extend diplomatic aid because we're the only ones with a team on the ground right now." I was like, "Okay, cool. Who's the team?" And then they're like, "You." Damn, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> there's like, there's no I. <laughs> no i in team and there's only i in this empty mansion in somaliland um and so with with you know some of the the locals that i was working with we were able to to coordinate an aid delivery of of seven tons of food using bitcoin uh out to the area affected by cyclone sagar um and so after that like i you know had some contacts in in the the crypto space but also like I didn't have, yet again, this is a common theme in my life. I had no job and I had no money. So I just needed a new job and, and money. Um, and so a couple of crypto dudes just like would randomly knock on my door and be like, Hey, can you write about X, Y, and Z? And I was like, yeah, dude, I can write about anything. Cause I'm that poor. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, now I, now I work in, in crypto, uh, doing, um, like documentaries and media and, and writing about, about crypto stuff. Oh, wow. So why are you in Albania then and not Lieberland? Well, there's nothing but rubble in Lieberland because the Croatians uh, oh, uh, bulldozed yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just said. Yeah. No, I I, I mean, Lieberland was, was I, I still have a lot of a lot of respect and affection for, for the, the good people of Lieberland. Uh, but I abdicated my position as their ambassador to, um, uh, to Somaliland. I did consider it like staying on as the ambassador. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they, y- you'll have to read the book for some of the, uh, some of the spicier experiences in Somaliland that left me, uh, so it's supposed to be scenarios. Yeah. 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 Okay. It, it, it cause you can imagine <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah. like, 
I've stayed in like a hotel room like that in in Morocco. So and, and oh, all I know, places, I know which so hotel like... room you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. So uh, yeah. So just for those who've made it to this point in the podcast, uh, what is the book called, and how ah, would yeah. you summarize it? Yeah. It's called "You Are Not Here: Travels Through Countries That Don't Exist." Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a travel log about about trying to find out what a country is by living in countries that don't exist. Um, <laughs> and so the the countries that I ended up going through in those years were uh, was Kurdistan, Kosovo, Transnistria, uh, uh, Liberland. Um, and then Somaliland. So the the end was Somaliland, and and so through no brilliance and just like me being a, a, a just bumbling my way through the world, uh, I I ended up um, going from being a third grade teacher in Iraqi Kurdistan to being the the ambassador of one from one stateless country to another. Um, that is, I was going to say, you seem to end up in a lot of interesting situations yeah. on a fairly regular basis. It's been pretty calm recently. I've been mostly been like, oh, we need to get these press releases out. Um, so, what's that been like? One, maybe two weeks of that? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm. And then you'll be off. Yeah, I need to. Do you have any advice for like anybody else who's like, well, that's a pretty random. You know, he seems to have a very consistent track record of ending up in random places. Mm. Yeah. And I'd, what would you suggest for other people? Like, ah, oh, I wish well, I could do that. If they want to, I, I mean, I I think that, that I, I sort of define travel a little bit differently than than maybe other people do, where uh, I, I think that everybody kind of needs to, to lower their bar on what they think travel really is and i i just define it by any time that you're you're outside of your comfort zone um and and you're you're sort of like open to whatever experience is in front of you um i think more often than not when people are uh I, and i'll say i'll say that this is this is a bit of an american disease because it is it is more difficult for folks from the states to to travel internationally um and and I think only like a, a isn't like a third or two thirds of of Americans even have passports. You know mm-hmm. when they when they go they'll go to Paris and and you know be like well I've always wanted to get a photo of of myself drinking espresso in front of the Eiffel Tower and it's like okay cool but like you also like you're you're diagnosing the experience that you want to have before you even go there and like the 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 real good stuff happens at the point that you realize that you like that your expectations are false your expectations are always false and that you should start having the trip that you're actually having and that begins at the point that that you you realize that that whatever you had built up in your mind is is just what you had built up in your mind and what's in front of you is uh is probably a more interesting better thing um, because as far as like travel is concerned, people don't actually want that complicated of a thing. Like, you know, people want good food, nice people, cool music, good things to look at and walking streets. Like that's, you can get those everywhere. And, and it, by going a little bit off of the beaten path, then you find that the, the, 
the bubble between like you as somebody who's traveling through an area and the people who actually live there is so much more permeable. And you'll also find that like, you know, the, the, you know, kindest and most genteel people in the world are, are not living in Los Angeles, California or in New York. They're, <laughs> they're, <laughs> I, I know I'll some say, pretty I'll nice people one... in LA. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I was about to say is that um, we actually did a travel episode of like last season. Oh, and sweet. It was about like, you know, how, uh, like we have slightly different methodologies, but we do exactly what you say. Like I went to Greenland. Did I look up Greenland? No, I know nothing about North. Yeah. I knew nothing about Ulysat. I figured it out when I got there because I, I totally agree with you, right? Did I end up becoming an ambassador to Somali man? No. So th- th- like, like, whilst I totally agree, but there's like a little sprinkling of secret sauce there. Like, I the, think, the, like, I think, yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that, that part of it too is, I mean, a lot of the, uh, if I have any, if I have any success, the secret to it is having no backup plan. Um, Fair enough. Because literally, you know, it, I I was sitting there in my tiny apartment in Erbil and I was like, in two days, a historical event is going to happen. I have no access. Like, I didn't come here to teach third grade. I came here to to experience the beginning of a country. So like, I don't have any way to to gain access to this unless I get out of my comfort zone and and you know make friends with some Dutch journalists. Um, <laughs> it, I didn't I didn't have the ability to be like, nah, I don't want to be the ambassador to Somaliland. Because I literally had no other place to stay, so like, n- and uh, this is also Rock kind of a hard place. Absolutely, like it also relates to uh, like like the the mountain climbing that I've done too. It's like mountain climbing is great because like there's just no backup plan. Like you you either you know deal with whatever's going on mentally so that you can move yourself physically. Uh, or, you know, you take a helicopter for $5,000 down the mountain. So it's like, this is, it, the only way through, or the only way what forward is sickness. Yeah. I feel great right now. <laughs> Slurring you your words. Called, uh, have you read a book called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years? Uh, Donald Miller. No, that's a co- cool title though. I know Donald, yeah, I've so heard I, of Donald I, Miller before. So it, basically, it's it's a book I read last year, and um, mm. I, I found it like like just like I, again, I'm about a third of the way through the, through your book, but his book was literally about like he got this deal to make a movie about his life, essentially, right? Tight. And then he was basically just went and like he was like, people are going to be coming, going to be following me around. My life's not that interesting, and so he set out. And the book's about how he went around crafting an interesting life, right? Huh. And, you know, in a way, right, what you're doing is exactly what he's describing, uh, because his thing ultimately comes down to this, like this, and I suppose to an extent where the podcast also goes, which is like, what are those random moments that are going to shape you? And are you intentionally staying away from them or leaning into them? Right? Uh, I Something that I think about on a consistent basis like that, because like there, so there's, there's this, um, uh, there, uh, I, which I, I feel is this sort of like uh, uh, what I call like Californian uh, spirituality of uh, Californian spiritual maxim 
uh, everything happens for a reason, which is this sort of like thought canceling cliche of like, oh, okay, well, that doesn't necessarily help me emotionally. And I just like, like, essentially akin to saying, just don't think about it, it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> and, and so like, I've always, I've always thought that that was, that's kind of, kind of an annoying thing to say, because at least in, in my experience, uh, you never know the the random thing that that's actually going to be important, but you also forget the things that that are totally unimportant. You know, there I'm sure that somebody had a sandwich that changed their lives, but but the millions of other sandwiches that they they ate did not change their life, and therefore they they don't remember them. Um, there's this. Did oh, you did have it... a sandwich that changed your life? <laughs> well, uh, no, but. Uh, uh, but Heigl, Maybe you did, and you just can't remember it. <laughs> it's true. Heigl <laughs> talks about this, and and he has this is my my like favorite uh, philosophy quote that I I would I would trot out if I went to fancy cocktail parties. Uh, but uh, he says something along the lines of, um, you know, the owl uh, the owl of Minerva opens its wings only at midnight, and the idea is that the owl of Minerva is like the the uh, the arbiter of wisdom. And opening the wings is you gaining understanding, but only at midnight is the point at which, like, you can understand the past only by noticing it in the present, right? So I, I can stitch together all of these things that that were like critical moments from, uh, you know, doing this super edgy punk rock theater thing in in my performing arts college to ending up being the ambassador of Liberland, but like. I can only make sense of them in retrospect and the, the point at which you get to, to, you know, continually just depart on these really interesting adventures is having the assumption that, that, that random interaction is actually sort of like a green flag telling you that like lean into it, keep going. Yeah. Get weird. It, it so seems like, <laughs> If I had to like put a little thread through, like, I mean, you know, this, this podcast has been amazing because it's just like bounced to so many different things so far. Right? <laughs> the Red Sea. Like, didn't, yeah, Red Sea. Like, yeah, I, I have no com. idea about it. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten so many more sponsors than I ever knew. Yeah, um, that's why people bring me on. But, but I, I think one of the threads that seems to come through is the fact that there's this genuine curiosity about experiencing something firsthand, right? Like as in, you're not someone who's happy to read about it in a book. It's like, no, 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 I want to go there and be that person. Um, and this genuine, like, it seems like for everything you've said so far, right? The other thing that seems to drive you is uh, this strong desire to kind of like the, like storyteller, but like the journalistic version, which is like, there's people over there, they have interesting stories, I want to share them. Would that be a kind of a good summary to kind of, or, or is there some oh, other yeah. source in there as well? Yeah. Totally. No, well, I, I think that like the way, like, uh, I think in, um, in Stephen King's On Writing, uh, it's a great book about, about writing in general. And he, he talks about like how the first draft is telling the story to yourself. Um, and then the second draft and third draft are, are about like telling the story to somebody else. Like it's like a first draft is closed door. I'm just trying to work out the story on my own. And second and third draft, those are open door. I'm I'm trying to like make it shine and make it understandable for you. And I think that that 
the way that I interpret a lot of of geopolitical events, a lot of the the history that we're all all living through is through like trying to tell these stories to myself and trying to to explain them to myself through through interactions with with individuals. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm really blessed at this point in my life that anytime something happens in the world, I I have somebody who's a, a friend in the area that I can, you know, drop them a line and be like, you know, how how are you? Is everything going well there? Or or like what what exactly is happening? And I, I think that there is there's a lot of reticence to um to to really engage with with folks on the ground everywhere um because it's like it's so much more comfortable to just like have our yeah. uh political understanding fed to us by you know the 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 rage boxes in our pockets i mean it's the whole armchair commentary phenomenon right like as in yeah. because you've seen the three things that makes you the expert and like i mean we're all kind of guilty of it to an extent but I, i'm just like inspired also kind of in awe that you've managed to pull off that many random sequences in a row to <laughs> weave together what is like i mean i like i said a third of the way through the book but i'm hooked i actually like i was over at my parents place today right like just before this i was over there and i got bored for like five minutes because my mom was telling some same story to my wife that i've heard about a thousand times and you know instinctively i normally will start clicking into instagram and starting to yeah, yeah. do that but I actually loaded up Kindle and I was like, no, nah, I actually want to get to the end of this chapter. Hell so, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, thank you for <laughs> like such an engaging read. I, I, I don't, I, this is a, this is an absolute incredible compliment for an author, but I'm also just imagining like your mother and wife just, and you just like bringing up a book. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is exactly like, what, this is, to, to, this is the compliment we all, all in front all of me. Are. Yeah. I, literally shifted my body 90 <laughs> degrees so there was no illusions that i was not paying attention to them and the phone was out and the book was on <laughs> so that's you know that's the the reason that that i write is to just just cause tension in other people's families there was no um, tension they realized uh, that they were getting the literal cold shoulder <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i will uh i i am sort of like on the hunt right now for for some other uh some other kind of of journey to uh to document i don't i don't actually have one i feel very like you know uh alexander wept for there were no more uh, uh kingdoms to conquer um uh because i'm like jump onto chandra's boat i mean just hell yeah let's do it usually needs crew. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i need i yeah. i I've been meaning to get on a boat at some point. I know, I know a guy, uh, I know a fisherman in Norway that I could, I could probably hop on his. But, but yours sounds a lot. He's nicer. always looking for uh, crew, and uh, let's just say one yeah, of the other podcasts was him. On Facebook as a, hey, he wants to come sailing. If you're interesting, or can sail one of the two. Done. Hey, <laughs> what's up? Yeah, so like one you're of on. our podcasts was done whilst he was trying to steer the boat away from a storm. So every so often you see a gust of winds going, just a second, about to crash into something, and we're good. Let's continue. What were we talking about? And mean, meanwhile, your guest is like, yeah, I mean, I've been mining Ravencoin for a while, but I think they're going to break the ant miners, so. Well, I'm actually just doubling um, the solar and the lithium back right now. So. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, I, I think at two hours we've covered 
I mean, you know, I feel yeah. like we could keep talking for another few hours at this I, stage. I'm always always happy to come back on and and uh, <laughs> and you know really do do a deep dive on my my picks in crypto. No, God, don't <laughs> don't do it. Don't I, do I, it. I, I just thought we'd just both take uh, some turns at some random questions that we came up with just to oh, see yeah. your thoughts on some random topics. Chandra, I, I feel like this should be your your end of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because random topics are my specialty. <laughs> Can't wait for this. Uh, yeah. Well, You're actually, I wouldn't. Uh, you start with your random one because I had a couple of other questions. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so, one of the ones was okay, you have to create a time capsule of this era, like right oh, now. Shit. Right? What all are right. the three items you would put in there? And I just like, I saw this on a list and I was like, you know what, of all the people to ask it through, you've been to so many places that I'm really curious what you put into a time capsule. God, that's hard. Uh, man, like, I feel like the, the, um, the way that a lot of people would go with it is like, well, you got to put an iPhone in, but like, if you, if you send that to the future, yeah, (laughs) it's, yeah, like some, some sort of smartphone is going to be bricked by the time uh by the time that um uh it gets to the future right um now, that'd be I... awesome because you would then have the scientists looking at it going this metals lab was used by the ancients to start fires they used to rub them together or some <laughs> totally inaccurate thing but yeah you know. sometimes i like sometimes i i i think that like maybe archaeologists are just lazy and they're just like that was used for worship or maybe they're like actual scientists <laughs> And I'm just hating for no reason. Because <laughs> it seems like everything was used for worship. Um, uh, okay, or fire. Okay. Yeah, or fire. <laughs> um, so I think I would go with... Dude, and it's uh, like... Because I'm not going to know when it actually... Uh... Oh, hundred okay. years. So let's, let's do... A hundred years, it'll be open? Yeah. I would go yeah. with a... Um... Uh, one of those like atomically powered time pieces, um, the the ones that just huh. like uh, so like a uh, a watch that like continues no matter what. Um, you mean uh, like Jeff Bezos's uh, mountain clock, dude? Honestly, people <laughs> hate on the mountain clock, but I'm so pro mountain clock. I am <laughs> the most bullish <laughs> on mountain clock. <laughs> For those who haven't heard, I will put the link in there. There is literally a mountainside. That's now a gravity-based clock. So as long as gravity exists. <laughs> that was one of those things where I'm like, good job, billionaire. That's exactly the kind of crackpot shit that you should be doing. Um, what the world needed. All right. Atomic <laughs> clock. But why atomic clock? Well, so I think that that if you... Um, uh, I think that uh, presuming that, that society... Society is going to be very different, obviously. Uh, if we haven't blown ourselves up. Uh, so if we uh, haven't blown ourselves up, I think that it would be a really good uh, indicator of the things that we value. Because I think that, that horology or the study of time uh, is is probably like the basis of, of most of society, right? Um, and you even have like, uh, you know, proto- uh clock ways of doing this like even before sundials it was like looking at astrology you always need to have like Mm. some assumption of like what the future holds for you 
Um, and and because of that, like you have to have some understanding of the passage of time. So a future society yeah. could that that is functioning could understand a lot about us by a watch, right? Um, and also that like you know they could figure out like what our wrist size were potentially if it was worn they could take dna off of it and you know maybe you'd you'd live again or something like that or maybe they'd just like That's take it a... from the leather and then make a cow um yeah but if society has collapsed then you're giving the gift of of uh, a timepiece through which that they can sort of like reverse engineer um and also collapse yeah and and then collapse eventually <laughs> Um, that is so, yeah. a really good answer, I gotta say. A watch, I would do. Um, oh man, Pokemon trading card clearly because Pokemon is still going to be around in a hundred years. It's crazy of you said that because I kept <laughs> thinking about Pokemon. <laughs> but then the, one I, like, of the guesses I, coming on is yeah. one of the top players in Singapore. It was coming on in the next few weeks. No um, way. I have so yeah. many questions about his lifestyle. Uh, yeah, so was, I literally, literally was talking to him just before because he was at a tournament today, and I'm like, "Did you win? Did you win? Did you win?" And he's like, "Ah, uh, I got some points." But anyway, I have I have problems with the with the the Pokemon Corporation because I was under the impression that I had to catch them all, and then they moved the fucking goalpost on me, and true. I was like, "151." <laughs> uh, that was our agreement, and now there's like a million. How dare you? <laughs> Uh, I'm just looking at my for, diglets, being like, "Sorry, I'm I'm out, I'm done." If you haven't yet, uh, have you played Pal World? I haven't yet. Uh, no, but I keep hearing about it. I keep hearing okay, about well, it. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that. But anyway, what so, are the okay. other two things you'd put in? Oh, okay. So another one would be uh, I would. Oh, okay. Uh, the the <laughs> this might be too esoteric but i would put in um the there's there is a um an item i think it's like kept i think it's kept in france but it's like the the atomic measure of oh, the si the, unit of the kilogram, kilogram right yeah yeah so yeah. like i'd put the kilogram like the underscore yes i know and then they have to make <laughs> then they have to make like a new a new the kilogram no i do kilogram <laughs> it's so much easier like it's just so much easier for for the killer wow, for okay yeah because that's then cool. you have that, you've got time you've got weights uh, you have you can extrapolate weights and measures from it uh it also uh has uh, imparts an understanding that that you know previous society had this sort of like like deep understanding of of um not only passage of time but weights and measures uh so maybe we can start getting some respect around the future um <laughs> uh and then i think i mean i feel oh it, you know what uh, uh throw throw a dictionary in there uh a dictionary I'd have, to, I'd have to do english dictionary um uh because i think that like if you uh you know some would say you know uh maybe a holy book or something but i i think yeah i'd go with the dictionary because well, then I mean, at least... they need to know we've discovered doom scrolling. I mean, you know, we're at that level of society. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And actually, that would be really interesting too. Because <laughs> you know, presuming they could read the language, they would be able to find out like what the most recently added words were. So, like, <laughs> I remember I'm old enough to remember when uh, uh, "getting jiggy with it" was added to the dictionary. 
And so that's a very different future oh, generation just bad, series bad of dictionaries. It's just, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, and we that's had like no idea. That, I just hear Will Smith, you know? <laughs> like previous to that, we had no idea what we were doing. And then as it turned out, we were getting jiggy with it the entire time. <laughs> we just didn't know it. No, we had no idea what the word for it was. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> like they're, they're, oh, these people that, in the future. That's a... Well, they will discover if they have forgotten what what the terms were. All, all of them are just like you know, like like what, full how, of. How did we get here? <laughs> they're just like like in nuclear, like radioactive rags, like trying to uh, find tins of beans, and then they were like jiggy <laughs> and a kilogram. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm kind of screwing these people over. <laughs> Not any canned food? Nope. <laughs> None of these are helping me. Figure it out, guys. Uh, I've got one for you, which is uh, from what we talked about very briefly. But what's your favorite use of a lava lamp? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> God, that could go so many ways. Um, <laughs> top three. That's uh, fine. <laughs> top three. <laughs> um. Well, so the the thing that I had heard because we 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 started out talking about about like randomness, um, and you guys seem like the kind of nerds that are like that I can be like, yeah, but is anything truly random? Um, uh, and so I, I I was doing a pretty shallow dive into into the like the concept of of randomness and randomization, and I think for some reason. And I don't know why on the back end why, why it's necessary, but like random randomization is is necessary for like security from the company Cloudflare. And I, from what I understand, they use like the position of the like stuff and lava lamps to like uh, create their randomization mechanism that allows them to like generate security, which is by far my favorite use of the lava lamp. Definitely the best. Wait, wait. Very... That, that, that is worthy. That is <laughs> Thank worthy. You. Thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, before that, they have this one radio telescope pointed to background cosmic radiation. And the level of the background cosmic radiation multiplied by X number, it was the true random yeah, or, or the most random we could get to. Is that, that what it is? Step... That was the step prior. I don't know if so, there's a love lamp. Because the thing I was is, a little bit, was like I, I did have a little sneak peek. Cloudflare has a hundred lava lamps arranged on a wall yeah. <laughs> and a camera takes photos at regular intervals yep. and sends it to Cloudflare servers. Yep. And those pixel values are the randomness because yeah, what? Like said, generating through random <laughs> is difficult. Like what are you doing? <laughs> I do like how somebody was like, maybe we can use a telescope pointed into the deeps of space and use radiation. Meanwhile, somebody's lava just... Lava lamp's pretty weird every day. Like, I swear, man. <laughs> somebody so, bursts so, so... through the strings of, of beads them. and is like, I've got it! <laughs> <laughs> the beads are just wow. swinging. <laughs> it's hard to burst I into mean, a room. That, that bit. has but been... I feel like there should be some beads in the room with lava lamps. You never see them that on has... their own. Wow, um, that has been one of the like. This has been one of my favorite chats of the Random Podcast, just Hell because yeah. of the true breadth of what we covered. Um, 
would you have any sort of parting advice or comments for the listeners of this show? Oh man, I I, I usually stay away from advising people of anything because uh, 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 you know uh, you don't want this life. Um, but uh, <laughs> I I, don't uh, know. I think some would actually listen to it. I can think of one person who's very much like I'm bored of this life. I was literally talking to her the other day, and she's like, "Yeah, I want to do something different." I'm like, this is the podcast for you. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> I mean, I I think that you know the the like I said, I think that a lot of a lot of what people what they people think that they want from from these these adventures uh are are pretty accessible to everybody and and it starts out with uh with you know finding um uh finding something that's that's just vaguely uh on the outside of your comfort zone but totally achievable um there's a there's a wonderful book actually he's by an australian guy uh called bo miles b-e-a-u miles m-i-l-e-s uh, I, I would recommend that she read his book. He's, he's a total inspiration. Um, so he wrote a book called the backyard adventurer. Uh, and basically he did a series of like challenges that are sort of organized around something that he's personally exploring. So he, he was trying to talk about like, you know, the environment and, in, and infrastructure and the way that he did that was he decided to run, I think it was like 90K to his work. Uh, and he drives that, you know, every every day. But like he decided to run from his home to his work and then like urban forage, forage for like, you know, uh, food and money along the way. And then <laughs> he used that as like this great way of talking about like industrialization and um and the environment and and also he was like you know and then once you do something like this you realize that your surroundings and the things that you you see every single day are never going to look the same to you um like years ago i did a cycling trip uh through all of of southern albania and with a buddy of mine and and so we ran, I think it was like a thousand kilometers uh, along the country or uh, along the border. And it's like, it's such a different way of seeing a street that you would just pass by while listening to a podcast and never think about it when you have to like, you know, chug up it using your legs. And so like, that's a, a totally accessible adventure. Uh, and having a conversation with a stranger uh, saying, you know, safely saying yes to, to going, going someplace that you wouldn't normally go. Um, getting into a van that has I no was gonna, handles. <laughs> do not recommend, do not recommend. I'm very, I don't get into strange cars anymore. Um, strange cars with door handles on the inside only. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you gotta <laughs> make sure sensible now. Gotta make sure that that's, that's... Let, let me check. There is a door handle. <laughs> don't have to check if it's functional, but I'll get in. Child locks, <laughs> um, uh, booking themselves like a forty-eight hour trip or a seventy-two hour trip uh, in like a weekend, like at least once every other month. Like buy the cheapest plane ticket that you can to a city you've never been to. Spend seventy-two hours there, and I promise, like you'll some things will occur. Yeah, no, that that's actually really good advice. Like, I mean, I spent uh, a year and a half locoming, like in between my day job. Uh, and part of the reason was 
Alex. Uh, that's where I met Alex. Oh, uh, okay. He used to hook me up with this with these jobs. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he'd ring me up, going, "Raf, uh, are you ready to pack your bags? There's a flight that leaves <laughs> in an hour. Uh, yeah, you're going to so and so place." I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I just rock up. It'd be some rat like one hospital. I was in. We finished. They're like turning off the lights, right? And I was like, oh, where do I go to stay? And it turns out, and that there was this old hospital next to it. And the entire yeah. reason was, A, it was old, and B, it had a rumor that was haunted, so no one wanted to work there. So it was like, you know, oh, God, random. Yeah. You know. uh, oh, my God. Yeah, thankfully, uh, Alex flew me back that night. Um, so I didn't Super have cool. To stay Super cool. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I will totally agree with the fact that, yeah, I've seen parts of the world, like of Australia anyway, uh, that would never have happened had I not done that and to fill it yeah bring it around full rand in style that's literally the only reason i know alex which is the only reason you're on this podcast right yeah now. like you know <laughs> well also like if you don't have any expectations of something because because you don't know that much about it by definition it can't suck like unless the place <laughs> is on fire which rarely it is um great photo well, opportunity in that case it is it, like what a great <laughs> trip to that that open blaze <laughs> Um, but like, but you know, if you don't have any expectations of, of a place, uh, it, it's, it's very hard for those expectations to not be met by that place. Like, uh, in, in the next little bit that like, I really want to go to uh, a place called Gdansk in, um, in Poland. Uh, I, I don't, I, I know little bits about Gdansk just because like, it's been a part of like different, uh, different countries over the years. Um, but I know zero about it. And I'm like, I will pretty much, I'm setting myself up to be pleasantly surprised because like, it's just, you know, a, a functioning place that'll probably be interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll add one random question now that you brought yeah. it up. Has any place disappointed you? God, I feel bad saying this, but like, uh, uh, oh. the, 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 the United States. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I, like I, I think that uh, not not that I'm like I'm I I you know I I like being American and I like America and, and stuff like that. Um, but I sometimes when I hear about like people traveling to Los Angeles from from you know from Albania or whatever, it's such a difficult city for tourists to to go through because it requires a car. It requires a lot of money. It requires really complicated parking. It's not the kind of city that you can just like, like, you know, go find the tallest thing at the center and suddenly, you know, where everything is. Um, and it's, you know, it's also like yeah, expensive uh, and, and um, uh, oftentimes pretty, pretty dirty. Um, so it's like, I, since I've had so many incredible uh, travel experiences uh, in various parts of the world, including places like Erbil, including places like, you know, that, that people would assume are difficult or dangerous to travel to. I want the same thing to be the case for where I'm from, but I also understand that that's not actually the case with where I'm from. Like it's, it's a little bit harder to, it's, it's harder to move around. People aren't as, uh, as welcoming certainly as, as the people here in Albania um but uh but yeah i mean i i like some american cities a lot i just i i find them difficult to move around and and uh you know it hope that they're ingratiating yeah i know right 
Um, uh, I'm moving to Palo Alto later this year for for a few months. And oh, no first way. bit of advice I got was, uh, yeah, you need a car. I'm like, nah, I'm going to do a Chandra and buy a bike. Uh, and they're like, oh, I, yeah, I so like, that would I work. Around. <laughs> I was just in Palo Alto, and it, they have that little city center, um, and that, that was fine. That was the most expensive Whole Foods I have ever been to. Holy Please shit. Don't, 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 let's not do foreshadowing because I still have functioning kidneys. I don't know if they'll be still there when I'm back. Probably not. Yeah, you're going to have to sell at least one <laughs> or two. Listen, if you need a guy to uh, to fence those kidneys for you, I got some connections over here. So <laughs> I'll just stop by Albania stop on, by. on route. Yeah, real there. quick. Drop uh, off a kidney. <laughs> Totally. Uh, Eric, this has been uh, such an awesome chat. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, man. Uh, oh, any you last bet. words, Chandra, or you? I look forward to seeing you in Albania. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, please do come through. It'd be awesome. Uh, or I can come down to Greece, too. It's not It's not very far. It's like a 45-minute flight. Sweet. I will yeah. get you up. Cool, man. Yeah, um, yeah uh, uh, go buy my book. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Um uh and we'll instagram put all is those links down below yeah, yeah and i also have i don't i don't talk about it much um but i have a speculative fiction podcast that i've written too uh so if you oh. like science fiction and horror stories that that's a that's also out there and i'll i'll send you guys the link well, well, to that, that one, oh okay, okay. Like that if you well. send it through i'll add it all <laughs> yeah. to the show notes thank you again so and Hey, if you and like, if you use the special promo code uh, Randint, <laughs> yeah. uh, you can buy his book for twenty percent more expensive. <laughs> That's right, because you know <laughs> you appreciate it that much more. So it's the world's first pro count instead of a discount. <laughs> exactly. You actually uh, that'd are... be something I would. Uh... <laughs> you should so add that into your website. Yeah, what's the future? <laughs> it became forty dollars. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, thank you it's again, and for all the discount. listeners. <laughs> Uh, do like and subscribe if you like these kind of random chats and uh, we're going to have to have you back at some point again. Oh, anytime. I feel like we've only covered like half the story so far and yeah. there's obviously uh, Albania and uh, crypto for uh, episode two. Yeah, let's do it. I'm stoked. <laughs> All right. Thank you again. All you right, bet, guys. We will see you in the next episode. Great to meet you. And I'll, I'll leave the, the door, the thing open so that it uploads. Yeah, perfect. Cool. All right. Thanks. Later, right. guys. Bye. Thanks so much. This is super Bye. fun.